Gaming History 101. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? And welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and tonight, joining me from the forbidden trees and jungles of uh, the Rare Studios is none other, none other than Mr. Gem Elias. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, very good, Fred. It's great to be here. I've got my bananas ready and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well. Uh, I forgot to unmute the mic, so I did my intro <laughs> twice today. That was a lot That's of fun. Um, also, uh, Tiger Claw just named the episode. We're going to mm-hmm. call this episode It's On Like Donkey Kong because today we are talking about Donkey Kong, Mr. DK. In fact, mm-hmm. um, what, does, what's, uh, what does that even mean? Uh, I don't know what that even means. Um, I think well, it's a sex term. <laughs> on my Donkey Kong. <laughs> yes, I think. Anyway, uh, that could be up to our listeners to decide. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in a month that you would think would be very Sega Genesis oriented, uh, this <laughs> and next week's episode is going to make us uh, quite uh, quite Nintendo oriented as well. Plus, I'm uh, I'm going to be uh, playing some Nintendo games on. Uh, so we've got the, the 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 true Sega versus Nintendo in full effect uh on on this stuff so anyway oh man and the puns start going there uh, go. so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh but before we get into donkey kong and whatnot uh we, th- there's a lot of things to talk about from the community so um we are going we opened up last week for community votes on um on uh uh, the the Mega Drive Genesis top ten that we did that everybody hates so much and oh <laughs> I threw that shit on it and news for gamers and for G and uh, they had a field day with it uh, nice but it was funny because nobody could and I think this this demonstrates perfectly and our top tens um, totally back this um, no one can quite agree on what a definitive top 10 are. Some people <laughs> lean heavily into sports because it was very much a sports console. Other people lean heavily into, um, uh, <clears throat> sorry, lean heavily into fighters, others into action platformers. There, there seems to be no true rhyme or reason as to, I don't know, what's the most popular things on the console. However, we did get a definitive top 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will be discussing that in a minute, and we will also be telling you guys what most people's top tens were. So uh, we'll let you know that. Uh, And then we will be picking a winner to get Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection uh, on either the PS3 or the 360. If you are from out of this country, though, I highly recommend going the ps3 route. I'm not sure if the 360 is compatible or not. So, But it's your call. Uh, Anyway... Um, but this weekend, I was out of town. I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Midwest Gaming Classic, as I've been talking about. So, And I did uh, meet a couple of listeners, so uh, especially Sweet. Matt F. Big shout out to Matt F., who, uh, who was a really cool guy. And uh, I found out he, uh, 
he in the 90s in the early to mid 90s worked uh for tengen formerly atari games and then he moved on to work for time warner so he's got some fun stories of game development so (laughs) uh, i hope to have him on to talk about some of the crazy shit he saw back then apparently he worked on a killer instinct clone that oh, drove really? him nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. That's a good story I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, me too. So he got into it a little bit. But uh, anyway. Mm. Um, and as the chat's talking about, yes, uh, it's on like Donkey Kong has been <laughs> trademarked by Nintendo. So technically speaking, if we were charging money for this, we couldn't use it. No. Nah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we had a lot of fun stuff. I've already written an article, a relatively mm-hmm. lengthy one that kind of gives you an overview tour of MGC. Uh, today, um, what went live was the panel mm-hmm. with uh, Terry, Trickman Terry Minich, Ken Sushi X Williams. It was a lot of fun. Um, the volume's a little rough, but then again, I'm sure you can expect that from it's live, isn't it? any yeah. live panel that doesn't have an Im- immediate hookup. That is literally my investigational voice recorder from my reporting days laid on a table. Uh, it did okay. Um, Uh, And if I had blown up or amplified it anymore, I would have gotten clipping, which is when it kind of blurts out. So I didn't want to do that. So that's as high as I could get it, guys. Um, It seemed okay on my computer. I did not test it yet on my phone, though. Um, But uh, anyway, so that's live. And uh, let's see. um, We've got a lot of content going live. So uh, Jam's written a couple of articles. And Jam, I told you that the next one would go live tomorrow. I think that's going to get delayed a little bit. That's all right. That's cool. Um, because we've got the podcast. No hurry. <laughs> and then probably another Midwest Gaming Classic article. Then one of Jam's articles and another Midwest Gaming Classic article will go live Thursday. And then Friday will be a Midwest Gaming article. And I'm finally going to wrap up um, the story. So... Uh, the story so far for Mortal Kombat um, that became a fuck ton of work um, <laughs> because well you start piggybacking stuff right so I yeah. gave the regular yeah. canonical one paragraph storyline to Mortal Kombat the original mm-hmm. and then I was like but people these are fighting games people beat the game with different people so everyone had their own version so mm-hmm. what if I'm not doing service to somebody out there who justifiably didn't play Liu Kang because he's the least interesting character in the first Mortal Kombat. And he is the least interesting character. <laughs> he really is. Um, so, so I was like, I should do those endings. This becomes a really easy task for the first two, even three games. <clears throat> then you get into trilogy and which doesn't have too many individual yeah. endings. And uh, and and Ultimate Mortal Kombat three. Four got a little easier, but then the trilogy in 3D has a lot of fucking characters. So that has become a much larger project, and so I think it's going to go. Oh, cool. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it, Blake. Um, it's uh, so, uh, but uh, just in case people want a sneak peek of what's coming up, um, I'm not exactly sure what order I've got them set to, but they are written. Um, there's going to be a piece on pinball and especially pinball emulation. I got a really oh, good look at yeah. how pinball emulation is working these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, and uh, if it made you wish you were there, then it, it, it effectively worked. Um, <laughs> another thing is I played a bunch of game consoles that I think most people haven't had a chance to play, like uh, the Nuon and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, PCFX and various other consoles like that. So I'll be talking about those. <clears throat> oh, and then I've got an article about um, 
the stock market of video games, which was discussed relatively heavily on last night's uh, Pixelated Pints. So if you guys listen to that show, um, you'll get a good feel for what that is, but it's going to go even deeper with it. I was very surprised, Jam, to find out Rule of Rose is now officially a $150 plus game. It's wow. The American <laughs> copy of Rule of Rose is very quickly approaching the Michigan uk copy that i own yeah in value so i was uh surprised about that also um real quick while we're talking about it i had to go back and change the article because guess what i just saw is hitting the uspsn next week oh fuck i know this (laughs) i don't know i just saw it it just got emailed to me which is uh, gradius 5 Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Treasures cool. Gradius Five, nice. which sells for more than fifty dollars mm. and is hard to find everywhere, will now be available for all um, mm. for ten dollars. Nice. So that is a fantastic shooter. If you like shooters, especially if you like the Gradius series, or even if you don't, if you were taken aback by like Radiant Silver Gun or Ikaruga, or just like really cool like three D crazy shooter design. Um, I highly recommend you check out this game. It's brutally hard. So it's one of those games you just keep, much like Rocket Knight, you just keep going back. Yeah. You get a little further. You kind of handle it like a like a Dark Souls game. It's like every time you die and get a game over, what did you learn? Take a breather. Never do more than like two in a <laughs> row. You know what I mean? Like don't do two more, more than two uh, hits in a row. But uh, That sounds like, that's like a drinking advice there. <laughs> yes, yes. It actually converts very well to drinking. So, um, But yeah, so uh, that, that news article will go live tomorrow. But just in case you guys want a sneak peek, um, if you have a PS3, you owe it to yourself to pick up Gradius 5. Um, this is the American store, right? The American store, yes. That may also be in Europe, but as we've seen, there's no that true is. consistency. <laughs> yeah, so um, apparently you guys get the shaft when it comes to PS2 games, which is weird. Oh, yeah. I think you guys like the PS2 more than our country does. So it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, our PS2 games are pretty... We've got God Hand, which I guess is kind of cool, but I mean, it's not nothing special. No, I meant overall. Like your country, if you're talking about actual discs mm. in hand... Oh. likes the ps2 a lot more oh yeah 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 no, probably yeah. <laughs> yeah america has a lot of loyalties to the gamecube for some weird reason anyway um that is weird <laughs> yeah i know right so uh so yeah so there's that so you guys can watch for those um and we've got some other fun stuff and going up this week jam wrote a great article on the pricing of uh, new video games over the course of the time in uh, in europe um which was a really good read trying to think you did an unboxing of a snes i did not know you guys got the candy buttons you guys get the candy buttons yeah we got the candy. God Absolutely. damn it now i want a pal snes um, I, I thought i'd make you want it <laughs> yeah yeah or at least just the controllers right yeah Ooh, are those controllers relatively easy to find yeah they're, they are easy to find oh, you can you can order them from hong kong really yeah oh okay Okay, well, maybe I'll just order them from Hong Kong. But, yeah, I just want one of those. Um, I almost pulled the trigger on the Wii Virtual Console Classic Controller from Japan's Nintendo mm. Club uh, Super Famicom Controller. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. It's yeah. nice. Uh, the, the booth guy had it for 85 and I asked oh, him if he could go, no. well, yeah, but that's kind <laughs> of okay pricing. I guess, Because yeah. of its rarity. Like, it's not on eBay very often. Um, mm. But... Uh, he wouldn't come down any lower than 80, and I reluctantly had For to. For controller as well. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you listen to that Pixelated Pints, you can hear the fun story of me taking a Justifier uh, through airport security, which did not go well. Um, that, yeah, I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little 
lack of interest uh like mm-hmm. meaning it, it doesn't end quite as funny as you would imagine but it, um, it was it was it, i i did not get through nice airport security says. and i was brought back <laughs> to the little room so there's a little sneak peek of that story um and you know what the bitch of it is jam what's that last night while i was waiting for pixelated pints to encode so i could upload it tried out the <laughs> fucking gun it doesn't work oh fuck. Yeah. Cool happened. <laughs> yep yep so i put it on the shelf and it just appears I'm going to have to live life without a justifier. It's okay. Uh, I've got Lethal Enforcers 1 and 2 on the PlayStation 1. Uh, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> just after all that. But, but, like, the one game I want it for is Ground Zero Texas mm. and potentially Snatcher. And, and I'm shit out of luck in that realm. So I just don't trust the gun anymore. Like, no mom and pop shops I've bought it from. I need to literally buy a sealed one and watch that one be defective. So, mm. anyway. All right. Well, moving on. Speaking of the Genesis. Mm-hmm. We had people writing in, and we had um, lots of top tens. And I was very pleased to see in the zero hour, Supercrackers, the original guy who uh, shredded into us for our list, did submit a list with explanations. So we're going to go through those, which is going to take a little bit of time, but I think it's well worth it. And I thank everybody for writing in. I also got to thank the people on N4G. They probably don't listen to this show. because when you post something like a podcast or a video on N4G, you have to link it directly into the site. So people like stream it directly from N4G or directly from there. So if you click on the article and actually go to Gaming History 101. But a lot of them wrote top tens, which I was pretty impressed with because I don't ask you to do that in the video. So they just did it of their own accord. So that was kind of useful. And I will admit that we had some ties in the top 10 and uh, their top 10s helped. uh, It was the most diplomatic way I could think of to differentiate uh, which one would win in a tie, you know, for like fifth or sixth place or something like that. So I'll be full disclosure about it, but uh, that's how I decided that. And the top 10 is set and it will go live at uh, in in approximately um, an hour and 40 minutes from now on the site so that we've got it uh, there. And then it, it, it sits next door on the links of the main page to uh, to our top 10. And I think we should do that with every top 10 we're doing because Jam yeah. and I get to do N64. Uh, <laughs> and if he's got the time, we're going to debate about that this weekend uh, so I can go yeah. hurry up and make the video. Um, so that should be fun. I think we're going to agree wholeheartedly on probably five of them. And then we're <laughs> going to have some splits, uh, but we'll see. So, um, but before we do any of that, I did get one mail from Blake, a, uh, a patron and listener. Um, and uh, it's in regards to the Chris Houlihan discussion from last week. So uh, he writes in and says, uh, Uh, Dude, I never knew about this room in Link to the Past. I find it so cool and fascinating that I spent an hour last night (laughs) searching for information about Chris Houlihan, the person, on the net and found nothing. I want to know if this guy's still alive, and if so, is he aware he's included in such a classic game? I would be so honored and exciting if that was me. I would be so honored and excited if that was me. Do you have any info on him? Well, Blake, you're in luck. I do. You're not going to find a whole lot out there. And most people will say, here's the real story with Chris Houlihan. And when you get in there, they just tell you how to get to the, the room. Yeah, the room. It should also be noted that until the internet and until people started emulating and ripping apart carts, it was not known that this room was here. It was a debug room. Like, it was not intended to be known. So um, Chris Houlihan entered the contest in uh, 1991. I believe he entered it. It was to take a picture of a certain mech in a certain 
level of a certain game. I forget exactly how it went down. I think it was an NES game. And he had to take a picture of it and send it in. And one lucky winner got to be in an NES game in the future. It's for Nintendo Power, wasn't it? Yes. He, I think he enters in July, or the contest runs in July. He wins in November. And uh, they announce him to be in a Nintendo game. And you don't really hear anything beyond that. And actually, if that record didn't exist... Um, <clears throat> then we wouldn't know that it exi- that, that, that he was the winner. Uh, we wouldn't be able to link the two. The reason being is no picture was run of Chris Houlihan. We believe he was a child at the time, so I'm betting between the ages of 8 and 14. Um, he was told that his name would be in there and for that room, but he was also told not to tell anybody. And I think we can pretty much say, even though it was a little harder back in 91 to tell people about it, and by the time you're in, nine, you know, by the time it's two years later and you're probably interested in girls and school and whatnot, you probably don't care anymore. Um, uh, plus, I don't think a link to the past will come out until 93. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, he just never told anybody. And again, once the net was mainstream, like five years later, like he was probably in college or college bound. He wasn't going to jump on the net and just reveal all this. So it was discovered. But that's really the only links and ties. It might not shock you to know that Chris Houlihan is an extremely popular name. A quick perusing on Facebook turned up 123 (laughs) Chris Houlihans in the continental United States just on public facebook profiles alone and i'm sure it's a lot more common than that uh additionally no known photos of him are out there but why would there be we weren't taking pictures of kids and sharing them on the internet and nintendo power chose not to publish his face which may have very well been his or his parents own choice um so i think he knows who he is and i think he's probably happy with it or maybe he doesn't even care there are rumors speculating if you go through NeoGaf and a couple other places and it's funny to watch people's reaction that he's dead um people are like wait are you serious what? and then like nobody responds <laughs> They're like he's dead <laughs> wow <laughs> uh, which is probably also not true but uh yeah, anyway yeah. uh so blake uh frankly I, I the the reason that nobody knows about chris Houlihan is because at the time, nobody wanted to know about Chris Houlihan. And then it wasn't until like almost a decade later that anybody knew what the value of Chris Houlihan was. Most people probably figured he ended up in some shitty Capcom game like, uh, <laughs> you know, Final Fight 2010. Or no, what is it? Street Fighter 2010, the final fight, mm. you know, <laughs> as like a NPC or something. So um, I think if you are that Chris Houlihan, it's award enough to know that that room's named after you. And now yeah. that everybody's found it, it's kind of cool. But uh, I don't know. If I was the so real I, Chris Houlihan, I almost don't think I'd step up. Because it's mentioned in history. Yeah. Well, and the other reason is because, like, as, as the internet has proven, you're popular for a minute and then everybody turns on you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> All right, so lots of love for the top tens, and I think we should get right into it. So, first of all, the ones who emailed in, I will go with first. Uh, This one comes from Ben. Ben writes in, hey guys, great episode. I, and he's Sev Ben's on Twitter, uh, really enjoyed hearing about some of these games. Uh, I thought it was going to be an easy list, but I've spent a long time making it. It also made me realize how lucky I was to grow up playing these games way back in the 90s during this era. The list is mainly a nostalgia thing, and I do realize I enjoy games that others tend to not like. Join the club, man. Um, I'm one of the few weirdos that enjoyed having a Sega CD along with his Genesis. 
See, side note, Jam, this is why I like Ben. Ben and I can really see eye to eye on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I was extremely jealous that my co- of my cousin since he had a SNES, but I do not regret having the Genesis-Sega CD combo. So many great memories that I will cherish. It's always fun hearing you guys talk about this era of gaming, so thank you for having this topic. I can't wait to hear the N64 one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, Ben, let's wait and see what our, our list is, because you know which one uh, has to be on that list or everyone's going to lose their shit, right? <laughs> Uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, if you want to go look at what Jam said in the review, go right ahead. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if I do win, oh, please give. Oh wait, wait, sorry, that was something else. Uh, ben did ask. He said he's already got the Genesis collection, so he's bowing out of the contest. Okay. Uh, we do have ten entries in the contest, though, other than the two that bowed out, which ironically were the two who emailed us. So anyway, mm-hmm. here is his top ten. Number ten, Sonic the Hedgehog two. Number nine, this, I forgot this game existed, and don't freak out, guys, because it wouldn't have made our top ten anyway, but uh, Green Dog, the beach surfer dude, oh, do you God. remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing captured the Genesis art style more than Green Dog. Uh, that game that was, was a good awesome. One. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, number eight, Evander Holyfield's Real Deal Boxing. I remember that being huh. a big deal. Nice. Yeah. Number seven, Fatal Labyrinth. I had a lot of fun with Fatal Labyrinth. I did a video on it if you guys want to go check it out. Um, and guess what? It fared quite well in tonight's top ten. So there's a direct link in the news story. <laughs> Number six, Comic Zone. Ben, you must really be good at that game or you must really like masochism. At which point, can I recommend Demon Souls? Um, but uh, uh, that was a cool game. It was just so fucking hard. Um, <clears throat> number five, Skitchen. Skitchen mm-hmm. comes back. It does turn out, Jam, that among our listeners, Skitchen's more popular than Road Rash. Um, number four, Beavis and Butthead. He says in parentheses, it was different than the SNES version. I do agree. There's a long running debate as to which version is better. I agree with him that the Genesis version is the better port. Uh, number three, Golden Axe. That was obviously in my top 10, so I'm there with you. Uh, or in my top 20. Uh, number two, Castle of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse. Always a good one. We had a lot of fun doing that. I think that was our first game club, wasn't it? The Mickey Mouse, Castle yeah. Illusion. Yeah, I think that was uh, our first game club. But. Yeah, I think it was one of the first ones, yeah. And number one for him, Shining Force 2. Mm. Shining mm. Force, an unfortunate gap in my playing. I know a decent amount about it, um, but... Uh, Oh, Cousin says it still sends me a little when I remember how much the Sega CD used to sell for. Well, funny you mention that because uh, he's talking about the fact that it retailed for 400 at first, then 300 when it dropped in price. I don't think it ever went much lower than that. Uh, the other reason you should be shocked is it was selling on the show floor for 125 bucks. When I say it was selling, I don't mean that's what it was asking for. I mean that people were paying that for it. Huh. Yeah, Jam, you'll get a kick out of this. I also saw Fanatic Woman uh, right. by uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker for 55 bucks, open boxed, no instructions. Wow. <laughs> that game apparently has value now, so anyway. Well, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> uh, Blake backs up Green Dog was fun. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of want to go back and play that all of a sudden. Yeah, me too, no? <laughs> Now i got to find a fucking copy of Green Dog, though. <laughs> That's I've got one. one. I've got one. Oh, really? I don't see yeah. that one in the shops too often. But it's one of those ones where... I might go in there and just suddenly like, huh, look at that. They do have it. Uh, I found out that my local mom pie dropped in there the other day, 12.99 for F zero GX. You want to talk about a find? 
they wanted like 30 for it at the show so um some places you can get really good prices other games those popular nintendo ones right now because the wii u fans are just clamoring for it we're fetching some serious scratch uh excuse me okay so here's jake now neo jake uh the guy who wrote the theme song to our show you i will note was a big sports fan so it shocks me that he doesn't have a whole lot of sports games on here. He is also one of those dirty desert urban jungle strike hybriders, and it almost made the top ten. I was going to freak out because I had to figure out how to do that, but it didn't, so we're okay. <laughs> but here we go. Here's his top ten. Number ten, Joe Montana football. Number nine, Ms. Pac-Man. Genesis version had so much good stuff. Yeah, the Ms. Pac-Man port is actually pretty good. It almost justifies a Ms. Pac-Man port. <laughs> almost. Um <laughs> Collabs is his number eight. Number seven is Mortal Kombat 2. Totally get that. Uh, number six is Sonic 3. Number five is Desert Urban slash Jungle Strike. I think that's his biggest problem is that nobody just really paid much attention to the difference between the three. Mm-hmm. Um, number four is Aladdin. Number three is NHL 96. He says, I like 96 over 94, believe it or not. Uh, number two is Fatal Labyrinth. And number one, Streets of Rage 2. You'll notice Fatal Labyrinth makes it again. So, Mm. anyway, so there's Jake's. Uh, Next up, we will go to the comments section. We read Jedi Slurpees off yesterday, firing through it real quick, just so people know. Number 10 was EA's NBA Playoffs. Number 9 was NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Number 8 was FIFA International Soccer. Number 7 was Road Rash and Skitchin. Just so people know, in cases like this, uh, when we had a Skitchin from Ben, that bumped Skitchin. Like, Road Rash and Skitchin basically both got the same number of points, and then Skitchin got bumped. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be also happy to know that in any of these hybrids, except for Sonic 3, none of them, like, made it into the top 10. Uh, number five is Strider. Number four is Mortal Kombat. Number three is Sonic. Number two is Streets of Rage 2. And number one is Aladdin for Jedi Slurpee. Next up is Mr. Psy1. You ready for Psy1's top 10? Oh, I'm ready. He says, well, that's a very interesting top 10 Mega Drive list you came up with. I love the <laughs> podcast, but were you trying to prod a sleeping bear? <laughs> I sure, I'm sure there's a fellow Retro Bates calling for a recount. Your heads must be paraded on pikes through the village. What, no Sonic on the game list? Burn them. Burn them all. But each their own. If we all had the same top 10 list, life would be pretty boring. Though I say I was surprised a few games on your list. Mortal Kombat and Puyo Puyo being a couple that sit a bit awkward with me. But hey, that's just my opinion. You know what's funny? I did not expect to get so much shit for Puyo Puyo. And boy, Mm. did we. Nobody seems to like that game but us. I know. I know, yeah. Or, and, and a lot of people were even farther with their with their uh, indiscrepancies because they were like, oh, actually, I love the future Puyo Puyo games, which, just so people know, are pretty much the same fucking game. Um, but I didn't like that one. That's weird. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the other thing is we are kind of hypocritical, or, and rather I think I have to take the cake on this one because Jam really just let it slide past in that I said that Sonic 2 is not on the top 10 because it was important to the Sega Genesis, but it's not a particularly great game, or it's not of the caliber of these other 10 games. Mm. We use that reverse logic with Mortal Kombat because technically I think Mortal Kombat 2 on the Genesis is the best of that series, yet its importance with the violence is what made it uh, the first game on the top 10. So, oh well. (laughs) 
Anyway, he says, now Jam knows I just love top 10 lists, so I thought I might throw in my top 10. So here we go. <laughs> Number 10 is Yu Yu Hakusho. <clears throat> I don't know this game. So I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Anyway, number nine, Madden 94. All right, the second Madden game, and apparently they got it much better the second time through. Number eight, Forgotten Worlds. Totally get that. Mm. Number seven, Shadowrun, a game that was, Uh, (laughs) yeah, kind of unfortunately not on our list. You know what another criticism they were giving a lot on uh, on, on N4G was that we picked a lot of games that are on other consoles, which I thought we were pretty Mm. much relatively exclusive. NHL PA 93 was on all consoles, but none had blood other than the Genesis one. Same thing with Mortal Kombat, but oh well. Anyway, <clears throat> number five, the New Zealand. St- uh, yeah, sorry. Number six was NHL PA 93, so he agreed with us there. Uh, number five was the New, New Zealand story. Do you know what the New Zealand story is? I do. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a Taito game. We talked about it in the, the Taito Collections episode. Okay, well, I should go back and listen to that. <laughs> Because uh, somehow I forgot it. Um, number four is Gunstar Heroes. Definitely yeah. one of the biggest ones we got shit for not having on the list. <laughs> number three, Jam, just for you. And he does not say this is just for you, but he puts Rainbow Islands on the list. Yeah. <laughs> number two is Road Rash 2. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't worry, guys. Road Rash wasn't going to make it into the top ten even if he had chosen Road Rash 1. And his number one game is Comic Zone. Ha. Jesus, man. Yeah. it's a very unique title it is a very unique title it's actually very cool when you get to know it but it's so hard it's so difficult i I just don't think i can put it put that get past that which is my own hang-up but um but cool comic zone was um i mean it was coming out late in the game it was up against the likes of earthworm jim on its own console and the likes of tonight's show donkey kong country on other titles so i gotta give it credit i think comic zone was late 93 and a year, and, and so it came out alongside Mortal Kombat two, and uh, er, and uh, the following year it would go up against Earthworm Jim and, and Donkey Kong. But uh, excellent list, thank you. Uh, Sharon wrote in and just said Vector Man with two exclamation points. So I just gave Vector Man ten points <laughs> and considered it his number one or his or her number one. Um, I don't believe Vector Man made it. Let me see. Vector Man did not make it to the top ten. However, it got close got close i think it made the 20 yes it did it made the top 20 wait wait no right. take it back <laughs> vector man did make the top 10 uh-huh. not solely because of um because of sharon but partially anyway eric hve says great show guys very interesting bizarre list i guess we get the bizarre thing the other thing is people are giving me credit on the editing for the video so at least the editing was good (laughs) well because have you watched like a lot of top 10 lists on uh on on youtube the guys like literally start up the first level of a game and just like play it for like a minute and then just paste it and that shit always drove me nuts now granted it took me quite close to 10 hours to capture all the footage that i used Mm -hmm. and i had more than 35 gigs of footage Jesus. <laughs> but look at what we got out of it. Yeah, but it's, it looks great. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to get a fucking fight in NHLPA? The bleeding on the ice is an accident. <laughs> that a while, but yeah. the fight took me four straight games. Chicago Jesus. kept losing against Philly. It was pissing me off. Anyway, um, okay. 
So he says, I was glad to hear all your love for Castlevania and Contra Genesis games. I feel like a lot of people have forgotten how killer those are. Konami was on fire during that era. Maybe you all could do a Konami episode sometime. Maybe we could. <laughs> I was about to tell him. Mm-hmm. Well, we've done. Here's the problem. We've done a Metal Gear episode, which um, we're going to be doing some updates. So Fortingard will be happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be talking to Jam. He can join me for it if he wants to, but it's a little bit more uh, de- depth than the one we did with Trees. Although the one with Trees is a fun overview. It's and it's funny. Um, <clears throat> second it's one of all, the most popular shows, isn't it? What? It's one of the most popular shows still, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing is we did a Ninja Turtles episode where we talked about the Hyperstone Heist, which is probably... Oh, and we've done a Castlevania episode. We haven't done a Contra episode, which actually we probably should. But um, So we've kind of covered a lot of those. Um, oh, no, I just lost Jam. Uh, so while we wait and see about Jam, I'm just going to continue on. But uh, anyway, so with that stuff in mind... Um, we are going to, and guys, let me know if for any reason the uh, the feed's getting blurry or anything, but I think that was Jam's connection, so um, <clears throat> we should have him back shortly. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, so yeah, we, we may or may not, but uh, uh, yeah. Also, I found out the Hyperstone Heist is selling for over 100 bucks on the Genesis. That apparently... It's a rarity. But anyway, he says, I'm excited that you chose Rocket Knight Adventures for your game club. And actually, you can thank uh, the voters for that. In, in fact, specifically, uh, I think Voss was the deciding vote. Um, the Rocket Pack mechanic blew my mind when I was a kid. Looking forward to hearing your impressions, Fred, since you're playing it for the first time. I never bought a 360 or PS3, so unfortunately I haven't been able to try the new Rocket Knight. And hardcore games are exclusive to those systems yet. Do you guys have any experience with either of those games? Well, real quick, Eric, uh, yes, I've played both the new Rocket Knight and the new Hardcore. The new Hardcore was part of PSN Plus, so hopefully a lot of you out there who are part of Plus are also um, familiar with it. Hardcore is very difficult, although uh, if you look on the video of me playing Hardcore, I don't do very well at Hardcore on the Genesis Mega Drive either, so I'm not sure if it's my speed, but I just need to practice it a lot more. I mean, I've put in you know, almost 30 years into uh, Contra. I haven't put anywhere near that much time into hardcore. Uh, as for Rocket Knight, it's good. It's a little bit harder, but it looks gorgeous. And uh, maybe I will uh, do it to piggyback my quick look of Rocket Knight um, for uh, an upcoming video that'll be going live sometime this weekend. Lots of videos of gameplay going live this weekend, guys, so watch for it. Uh, anyway, here's my top 10. Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Uh, sorry, pff, I just blew his number one. Sorry. Back to the 10, NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Number nine, Mortal Kombat. Number eight, Contra Hardcore. Number seven, Gunstar Heroes. Number six, Castlevania Bloodlines. Number five, Shinobi 3. Number four, Rocket Knight Adventures. Number three, Bare Knuckle 3, otherwise known as Streets of Rage 3. Number two, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And number one, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which... Uh, is technically that port of it. I'm counting it as both Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles, if you don't mind. So there you go. Um, so yeah, there was that one. Um, we are working on... Okay, excellent. So it it, was, it looks like it was Jam's issue, so we'll get him back in a minute. Um, <clears throat> next up is Jesse D, who is saying... Uh, Great podcast, guys. Love the idea of the top 10 list for a podcast. Look forward to many more. Here's my top 10. Uh, number 10, 
Echo the Dolphin. Number nine, Mortal Kombat 2. Number eight, Castlevania Bloodlines. Number seven, Streets of Rage. Number six, Vector Man. Number five, Beyond Oasis slash Story of Thor. Number four, Contra Hardcore. Number three, Shining Force 2. Number two, Pure Solar. He says, I know it's a homebrew, but I just can't leave this off the list. No, Pure Solar is a legitimate release on the Genesis, in my opinion. Uh, number one, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. He says, sad to see it outside of your top ten. Thanks for thanks. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Jesse. And last but not least, we definitely need to uh, speak to uh, Mr. Uh, Supercrackers. So give me one sec. Uh, cool. Okay. So we're going to get Jam back shortly, hopefully. Um, next up. So... <clears throat> Supercrackers goes, there once was a time when the internet was known for the informa- as the information superhighway, a time when one encouraged one to pick a side, Genesis or SNES. I lived through this time. I am a recovering Sega fanboy, and here are the top ten games I loved during the first console wars. I should hire this guy to write for the site. <laughs> top ten Genesis games. Number ten, Bill Walsh College Football 95. He said, EA produced sports games that really shined on the Genesis. Bill Walsh 95 was revolutionary. It improved upon the original in so many ways. Take Madden, throw in the triple option, and you have awesomeness. He says, number nine, um... Golden Axe. Golden Axe was the first game I purchased for the Genesis, and I never regretted it. Co-op was still a novelty at the time, and in the early days of the Genesis, there was nothing better than having friends over, uh, kicking back, and taking out Death Adder. Uh, Number eight, War Song. He says, this is a game I never knew existed until late into the Genesis' life. My brother's roommate, who strikingly looked like Kip, Napoleon Dynamite's brother, let me borrow it. That's awesome, dude. Uh, I loved it. The strategy, the little animated skirmishes, and the level progression for your characters had me hooked. Think Advance Wars with a fantasy setting released 10 years prior. He's got me convinced. I'd like to give that a try. And number seven, good old Landstalker. Oh, Landstalker, how do I divide... uh, how divisive a game are you? People either love it or hate it. An isometric action RPG with difficult platforming and puzzles. I was starved for RPGs on the Genesis. The art direction was fantastic. Overall, it was worth every penny. I can agree with him, although I kind of suck at Landstalker, so of course I don't like it as much. But anyway, it is a very divisive game. Uh, number six, Gunstar Heroes. Treasure was the savior of the Genesis. Konami was huge back in those days. For a portion of the company to break off and exclusively make games for one console only, it was a very big deal. Gunstar Heroes was frantic, beautiful, tight controls, and the co-op was fantastic. I really feel, as a side note, guys, that the fact that I did not, um, the fact that I did not, uh, play co-op gunstar heroes is why i didn't um i didn't appreciate it as much but who knows uh number five fantasy star four genesis owners were unable to get their hands on many rpgs luckily sega brought over a gem in final fantasy four cool manga type cutscenes, a refreshing sci-fi setting and twists such as the main heroine dying made for one great genesis game uh, it's hard to argue with them it was also a 100 dollar uh cart one of the famous ones. Mr. Jam, do we have you back? I'm back, yeah. Cool. I've just been rambling sense. about top tens, so you're good. <laughs> We're almost done. We're on uh, Supercrackers, who is the guy who was uh, dogging us uh, in the yeah. beginning. But, yeah, yeah. Number four, Mortal Kombat. This is what truly set apart the Genesis from the SNES. All I need to say is two words. Blood Code. 
Sega was cool for kids and Nintendo was for babies. No other game proved it had more potential uh, more potential to console owners than the one Mortal Kombat, a true game changer. <laughs> Number three, Shining Force. Tactical games were a rarity on the Genesis, as were RPGs. Shining Force combined the two in a slick, challenging, engrossing game. Cool animations for the battles and pre-Pokemon excitement of trying to catch all your allies. Shining Force 1 and 2 were gems. Number two, Streets of Rage. He, like me, goes for the original. Spent lots of time in the arcade growing up. Final Fight was a game that really caught my eye. Streets of Rage helped me forget what I was missing. Yuzo Koshiro was a master at FM synth. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I would love, or I would often let the attractment play just to hear the opening. Co-op was so good. Love me some Streets of Rage. And number one, I'm sure you could tell from his comments, Sonic 2, what more is to be said? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, sir. <clears throat> All right. So... Um, and for those interested in treasure and if you're like new to the show, I know we got some new listeners and things like that. Um, we did do a treasure episode called the treasure box. So if you just search for treasure or treasure box, um, on uh, gaming history, one one, it'll pop up. Otherwise it's somewhere in the feeds. I can't remember exactly when we did it. Um, all right. So I added all these up jam. And basically mm-hmm. if you gave it a one, if it was number one on your list, it got 10 points. Number two got nine points, all the way down to number 10 getting one point. Um, you've heard all the games. I've listed them all out here. And uh, um, here is the top 10. Number 10 uh, okay. receiving 13 points is Fatal Labyrinth. I'm surprised that's on the top yeah, 10. Yeah, <laughs> right? They're cool. That's sweet. Yeah, I know. That's where the community stuff goes. Hmm. Uh, next up. Number nine, receiving also 13 points, but receiving more frequency, and it was in other people's top 10 on M4G, the original Streets of Rage. That one kind of speaks for itself, and it is a preference thing. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Vector Man. This is another one I was surprised <laughs> yeah, with. I was not a huge fan of Vector Man, mm-hmm. but clearly one person was really into Vector Man, and a couple other people liked it. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Sonic 3. Most people like to lighten lump this together with knuckles Mm -hmm. fair enough but enough people differentiated sonic 3 and knuckles that sonic 3 won uh that one was with 15 points so was vector man sonic 3 was obviously mentioned more often another tie was between gunstar heroes and mortal kombat number six is mortal kombat with 16 Mm -hmm. points gunstar heroes came in ahead of it at number five because obviously it was more often brought up also making 16 points Here's the interesting one. The top four, which is, uh, these are all based off of their own specific points. Receiving 17 points is Disney's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I do believe that was Mikami's f- first game from Capcom. Really? Oh, or yeah, no, it was, wasn't it? Although yeah. it's possible he did the SNES port. Mm. Uh, but, the yeah, this is one of the few times where the Genesis version was better. So, there you go. Mm. Number three with 18 points, Shining Force 2. Clearly, I have not been playing enough Shining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, number two, Streets of Rage 2 with 19 points. No shocker nice. there. And who's surprised with 30 whopping points? <laughs> Three people put it as their number one. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 does make the number one. So I'm surprised the first one didn't get more mentions. Yeah, the first one. Mm. Uh, I will tell you the honorable mentions are the ones just beneath that. Jungle Urban Desert Strike got 11 <laughs> points and almost made the I list. Uh, Comic Zone almost made the list. Skitchen almost made the list. Contra Hardcore almost made the list. 
and Golden Axe almost made the list. So mm-hmm. those are your popular ones. So those were the ones that more than one person voted for. Anyway, that list will be back up uh, as a post today. Uh, not that it's any big deal, but there's your there is your community. Nice. Um, top ten. Good so list. You know as well. to blame but yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to write in about this and or other topics. Just uh, write into contact at GamingHistory101.com or click the contact link in the upper right-hand corner of any Gaming History 101 page. I moved the main page navigational links to the top, just so people know. And I now called the what I used to call the review section, I call it Archives by Console and Game. So it's very easy for you to see the entire archive and just search for the game you specifically want. So there you go. Uh, all right. So, with that in mind, uh, again, Jam and I will be going toe-to-toe on the Top N64 games this weekend. We will announce our list at the beginning of May, and then we will do yet again another topic. So, let's wrap this up with a... uh, We have 10 people who are entered in the contest. Uh, Those 10 people are Supercrackers, Jesse, a patron, Jedi Slurpee, Voss, a patron, Sharon, Blake, a patron, Eric HVE, Helen C., a new patron and very active member in the community. Helen, thank you very much, and thank you for helping support us. Uh, And at a tier that gets you automatically enrolled into the contest. Uh, Jesse D., who wrote in. And last but not least, Matt G. Matt G., also thank you very much. A very kind patron who is our first person to sponsor at a level where they get their own uh, game club or their own um, video made after them so they can force me to do a version or he can force me to do a retro game i like challenge. the forcing this is this is what's intriguing me yes <laughs> or he can force us to play a game for a game club like barbie's horse adventures or something well there like you that. go <laughs> we will see i know the guy he's cool um uh and so we'll see which one he wants uh not calling in that favor for a minute though you have to be a full member for a month in order to get your rewards which is why some of our earliest patrons are just now getting their rewards in fact next week episode next week's episode is a patron sponsored episode so we will reveal that at the end of the show mm-hmm. um all right well thank you to everybody let's give away a copy of sonic yes. ultimate genesis collection mm-hmm. Number seven, Eric HVE, congratulations. Lucky number seven takes it. Nice. Uh, which is my favorite was that, number. Was that the D20 I heard in the background? That was a D10 <laughs> you heard <laughs> in the background. <laughs> uh, but uh, because we had 10 people. So so Eric wins it, uh, which proves yet again. I almost want a patron to win because mm. if they don't soon, then maybe that tier doesn't <laughs> know, hold yeah. much strength. But at least they're involved but eric congratulations um you can reach out to me directly through contact otherwise starting tomorrow morning i'll use the email that you left the content comment with and uh contact you if you hear your name on here and you haven't heard from me that means i'm having a hard time finding you so please also uh try to find me so i can talk to you about your game and and there you go uh but anyway um all right uh, oh, also real quick, uh, Rageinator says, remember Sega Channel and X-Band. Yes, actually, I'm one of the few people in the continental United States that had both. Mm. Yep. You could make uh, long-distance calls with X-Band uh, uh, and uh, not cost your, your family money. 
uh, by doing that. But it was really fun with Mortal Kombat, even though it was laggy as balls. The second <laughs> channel was great because I would have never played Wily Wars or Time Killers without it. So. Wally, well, Wily was the one that we didn't get much love for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. You know, I was on the, uh, the virtual console last night, on the uh, Wii virtual console. Yeah. Just looking over some stuff. Your, your Monster World 4 um, review got me wanting to buy that game. And mm-hmm. I actually opted to get it on the Wii. All right. Um, but, uh, but it's funny because I saw that I owned Mega Man 1 through <laughs> 3 on the virtual console. And just, just because of the Wily Wars shit, I, uh, I bought 4, 5, and 6. Which doesn't make much sense because you know 1, 2, and 3 mm. are... Uh, are the ones in question but for some reason i just was like fine it's an nes thing i'm just gonna buy everything on the nes you know <laughs> and i have the cart of uh of uh, Mega Man 7 and i have the disc saturn version of Mega Man 8 gtfo anyway. wow i need to i need to finally start playing those Mega Man games <laughs> so <laughs> um and blake is saying uh i think fred did an episode on x-band and sega channel maybe I can't remember when I explained it, but I did talk about it in something. can't remember what episode that was, though. Sorry, guys. Um, it might have even been the even one where we talked about it. the Teleview. Mm. Mm. Oh, well. On with the topic at hand. <laughs> we had a topic. <laughs> right? Um, all right. So let's talk about Donkey Kong. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. You don't know who Donkey Kong is, yes, or what is? Donkey Kong is. Donkey <laughs> Kong is actually a sexual position where you lift your fist. No, I'm. Just is that the donkey? Um, <laughs> that's that's um, not me. else donkey related. <laughs> so no, Donkey Kong. Okay, so Jam, are you familiar I, with Donkey Kong's origins? What was his uh, first game? Well, was it not just Donkey Kong in the arcades? Very good. Very good. Well, you know, people ask me that and laugh about it, but you know, if you said what was Mario's first game, it mm. was as well Donkey Kong. <laughs> so, Donkey Kong, the 1982 arcade game. Did you play this game? I did, yes. Not the original arcade version, though. Oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I have played the original arcade version now, but I didn't play it back in the day. (laughs) So which version did you play? (laughs) The first version of this game, Fred, that I played was actually on Donkey Kong 64. (laughs) Oh, my God. The one where you have to beat the game with it? That's right. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Don't you have to beat the first four levels, including the Cement Factory? Yeah, I think you got to get through all four. Um, it's yeah, like a okay. mini-game with Cranky Kong that you have to do it to achieve. And that was my first experience playing this game. But what's really cool, though, is that once you've um, done it in the game, you unlock it as a like a mini-game you can go back to and play whenever you want. And I literally did right. go back and play this game constantly. <laughs> it was... Yeah, well, there you go. Um, I, I can't remember. It, that's the arcade version? I believe it's the arcade version. It didn't. Well, it has up. to be because the Cement mm. Factory wasn't in the NES version. It definitely had the Cement Factory in it. 
Yeah, okay. Cool. Honest, but there was that NES version that they called the complete version, though, isn't there? Yes, yeah. but it's a ROM hack. Uh-huh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nintendo never released the complete version. Okay. Um, and we'll talk about why, actually, uh, ah. right now. So, But... Uh, uh, Cy One's talking about Jumpman. Yeah, well, I will get into the origins of all that. And we're actually going to do this in a relatively quick period of time. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, lots of people don't like Donkey Kong. Don't think it's a particularly good arcade game. That is your prerogative. Either one's fine. And it did get kind of trendy when King of Kong came out to say, yeah. oh, I like Donkey Kong. <laughs> no, you don't. You're shitty at it. Just go home. Um, <laughs> plus, high scoring in Donkey Kong isn't particularly fun. It's rather tedious. Um, it's not beating the game. It's a, it's a tedium unlike any other. Um, so anyway, Steve Wiebe and uh, Billy Mitchell and oh, who's the uh, who's that that Hank super? Chen? Yes, <laughs> very anal men. Very <laughs> anal men. Uh, anyway, King of uh, Kong so, may be sad because it was one of those films that I kind of liked the original arcade version, but before it became popular from that film when it became all about the high score, but then that kind of like thought, oh, now it's the hipster thing. Okay. Yep, <laughs> some dude in a fucking mustache yeah. with skinny jeans going to come up and try to play Donkey Kong now, and yep. motherfucker can't even get to 100,000. What's he doing? Uh, the second you don't see a guy sit there and jump barrels, you realize he's not trying to high score. Um, yeah. The other thing is Steve Wiebe is not as good as that movie makes him out to be. And Billy Mitchell's not as bad as that movie makes him out to be. In fact, from a pseudo joking standpoint, but totally on the level, Billy Mitchell's always been nice to me. And he's kind of a badass. Yeah. Like he's the nerd version of Chuck Norris. He really kind of is. <laughs> That's cool. Billy Mitchell does not play Donkey Kong. Billy Mitchell dominates Donkey Kong. Uh, anyway, um, so, okay, so the arcade game came out in 1982. It was a Nintendo property, and I think I've talked about this in the past, but um, Donkey Kong actually was repurposed with Nintendo's first arcade failure, Radar Scope, yep. kind of frantically. In fact, uh, you definitely saw this at the Midwest Gaming Classic, but Arcade Collectors, and if you go listen to Arcade Outsiders, who is here on all games along with us, um, every Tuesday night, I believe they're at 11 p.m. Eastern. Um, by the way, I haven't plugged it tonight. If you want to listen to us live, <laughs> come join the chat. It's a lot of fun. We have lots of fun people, especially tonight. And uh, you can uh, you can listen to us live on allgames.com at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time mm. every single Tuesday. So anyway. Um, it's great fun uh, in a live chat. Definitely yes, recommend yeah. it if you can make it. <laughs> the chat's the best part. At first, yeah. I started copying the chats, and I put them in a couple of them. And then I was like, no, that's taking away from the magic. You have to have been here. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so yes, it, it, the value of your cabinet does directly reflect whether or not you bought a legitimate Donkey Kong cabinet, whether it's a conversion cabinet done aftermarket by people, or whether it's a converted radar scope. So keep that in mind if you're going to buy what is now a very overpriced cabinet oh yeah <laughs> um, you can find it at a good price but you have to do some hunting so uh donkey kong was actually created while uh nintendo was uh, trying to get the popeye license did you know this jam yeah i recently found this out okay Space, yeah <laughs> uh and despite them actually getting the popeye license i'm sure many of you are familiar with either the famicom nintendo game popeye or the arcade port uh the original concept of what Popeye was going to be was Donkey Kong, which was um, 
uh, a love triangle. <laughs> so when the first attempt for Popeye's license failed, Miyamoto decided he wanted to uh, convert the love triangle of Popeye, Olive Oil, and Bluto, this time between a carpenter, his girlfriend, and the carpenter's pet ape. The goal was to make the the ape somewhat lovable, but still a villain much akin to King Kong. There's a couple of articles out there, probably all of them reading the Wikipedia entry on this, which I've warned you guys, don't you can use it for a starting point, don't use it for your reference, um, that says Beauty and the Beast. I think the person who wrote that Wikipedia entry is the one who said that, because having read David Sheff's book, Game Over, having heard a lot of things about Donkey Kong, having seen some stuff from Howard Lincoln about it, uh, I... And, and even some stuff from uh, who is the lawyer? Um, uh, Kirby. Uh, what? Kirby. Kirby. Yeah, John Kirby. Oh. I've never heard it compared to Beauty and the Beast ever. No, I've never heard that. But uh, anyway, just saying. Careful what you read. <laughs> <laughs> so Popeye would, of course, be converted to Jumpman. Mm-hmm. Olive Oil would be converted to Pauline. And Bluto would be converted to this ape. Now, the story of the ape's name has two theories. Jam, do you know some of these theories? I I know that the the well Miyamoto wanted the name he wanted the name for Western audiences didn't he so he wanted because he wanted the game to appeal to a Western audience because obviously to make up the radar scope thing but right he wanted uh, the name to be English in all territories mm-hmm. so um and so yes yes so uh, there are two rumors one is not true uh, although they both kind of say the same thing and the other one is true. The first and oldest rumor was that the game was to be called Monkey Kong and the Japanese, um, uh, while the Japanese was struggling to create an English name, like you said, and the fax slash transmission was somehow distorted and the people at NOA read it as Donkey Kong. This is uh-huh. an untrue rumor. Yeah, I was going to say, that can't uh, be true. So, yeah. Miyamoto himself claims that Kong was, uh, that he was trying to find the English term for stubborn gorilla and he was running around Nintendo of Japan trying to figure out how to say that best. Because a lot of words in Je- Japanese are uh, th- like kind of like conditions or feelings or moods as opposed to descriptors. You know what I mean? It's a little more of conceptual than anything else. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, he wanted it to resemble Stubborn Gorilla. Well, Kong was already thought of as Monkey Gorilla in Japan. So he said, well, this would work. People know King Kong in U- the United States. We know Kong, so if I'm going to do an English-Japanese game that's going to have an English title, that's easy. Mm-hmm. So the only thing he needed was to figure out how to say silly or stubborn or whatnot. And somehow he found the word donkey. <laughs> There's also a rumor that the export manager tells that says he specifically told Miyamoto because he was told that the word for Donkey Kong was stupid. Yeah. And thus, <laughs> yeah. if you wanted stupid ape, you'd call it Donkey Kong. Um, that's all I had yeah <laughs> either way they genuinely thought they were releasing a game that either said stubborn gorilla or stupid ape they instead were releasing a game named after two animals <laughs> 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 so there you go <laughs> um, fun fact the name of Jumpman was the carpenter's uh, representative name uh, all the way up and until they changed some of the bezel art in uh 1980 either late 82 or early 83 when they started mass producing donkey kong cabs because it caught on so well in america that they chose to name 
Jumpman. Uh, originally, he was named Jumpman because of the man fad of the 80s. The Walkman oh, yeah. and <laughs> things like that. Huh. Yeah, that was where they came up with Jumpman. Um, and they, it turns out, did not rip off the Commodore 64 game, which was my original thought. Um, but later, they switched it to Mario after. Do you remember this? Mario uh, Segal, Segali. Yeah, Segal, yeah, the, um, the landlord. Th- the landlord, yes, right. <laughs> yep. Uh, did you know this, though, that uh, Pauline was named after Polly James, the wife yes. of the warehouse manager, Don That's James? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't. I, I I did know that, but I didn't know it until recently. Like Chef's mm. book doesn't go into that. They, he definitely goes deep into Mario Sagali and actually like kind of talks about one of his day to days and how not goofy, but how like charming the guy is in just his mannerisms. Just a really nice guy that's very charming. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, but Donkey Kong was not without its uh, its downfalls. <laughs> now, uh, Jam, I'm sure you're aware it became very popular. Oh yeah. Yes, there is even a Do the Donkey Kong song. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love these old 80s songs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, it was hilarious when I tweeted out that Pac-Man fever one time because somebody was like, what, I, what does that mean? I'm like, it's a song. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, it got ported everywhere. It was on every microcomputer under the sun. We even yeah. mentioned it yesterday or last week uh, in our Easter egg thing. Um, Atari 400 or something. Yeah, the the four hundred eight hundred port. Uh, it's right. pretty universally thought of, in my opinion, that the ColecoVision's probably the most arcade. That's what I've port. heard. It's the yeah, or well, considered um, the best port. <laughs> yes, a lot of people like the Nintendo port, but that's just familiarity, mm. um, and it is lacking the cement factory. Unless, like Jam said, you get the ROM hacked complete version, which is perfectly fine. Shit, yeah. if you're using emulators, why not? Um, I would tell you to probably go get the MAME version, but it just doesn't blow up to 644 by 480 like the other one does. Uh, <laughs> but uh, needless to say, when Coleco hit it big, guess who decided to get involved? Universal Studios. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know about this? Do you know about the elusive Nintendo versus Universal 1982 court case? Oh, yes, yes. I apologize is- if we've talked about this on a previous episode, but we're going to talk about it again. This is off, this is where John Kirby got, gets involved again, the lawyer for Nintendo. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, Nintendo <laughs> finds themselves in court with Universal when the ColecoVision moves more than $4 million in licensing <laughs> fees, and they want a cut of that shit. Uh, additionally, <laughs> it should be noted at this exact same time, Universal did give the rights to Tiger Electronics to make a handheld King Kong game. And guess what? King Kong was... Uh, uh, a clone of Donkey Kong, which get, <laughs> surprise, which surprise, get Universal into a little <laughs> counteractive trouble. But uh, anyway, Nintendo's lawyer John Kirby successfully argued that the concept of King Kong was in public domain, especially considering mm-hmm. the release date of 1929 for the original movie. Um, Universal themselves had uh, not worked hard over the years to um, keep the King Kong license afloat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't even think they trademarked it. I think they argued that it was... um, Because didn't they make a King Kong movie in like 1980 or 78 or something? That was a remake. That was like a a remake film. Yeah, and I think that was the biggest harm in their court case was that they didn't obtain the rights for it because they knew it was public knowledge. Mm. Uh, Which this will bite them in the ass as well when they get countersued. But uh, anyway. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so... uh, so, yeah, they, they were able to prove successfully in court that it was public domain. It was also later discovered, uh, in fact, that Universal knew 
going into the court case that it had no true legal rights to King Kong and that it was public uh, domain. The verdict was laid down, and even if Universal did have the rights, at best, Donkey Kong is considered a parody, which is, if, you've, if you're a big Hustler fan or if you've watched The People vs. Larry Flint, as you know, a parody is covered by United States copyright and rights management law. So, they're good either way. Mm-hmm. Nintendo didn't take that laying down, though. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Howard Lincoln and John Kirby rammed that lawsuit straight up Universal's ass by countersuing for $1.8 million in legal fees, claiming very explicitly that Universal wasted their time and money knowing fair and well that they didn't have these rights. They were just trying for an easy cash grab. They also asked for an additional like $5 million for yeah, like, no, yeah. discrepancies and grievances, which they were not awarded. <laughs> I do think they... Uh, the judge agreed that Nintendo and Nintendo was awarded the money. Also, yeah, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say Nintendo won, so it's just. <laughs> well, and I think they sued Universal. I'm I'm certain they countersued Universal for the King Kong game for really? ripping off Donkey Kong. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, "It's not a rights thing. You just ripped off the gameplay very <laughs> clearly." Uh, and I believe that before it got to court, they settled. So okay, right, yeah. Uh, so maybe why not had that one? Yeah. In the end, what did happen? And do you remember John Kirby's little reward? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so what What did John Kirby get for that, for his well, time? He got, a pay, he got a pay rise. That was one of the big things, obviously. He got, you know, Nintendo was very happy of John Kirby. But one of the kind of, like, lighter kind of rewards was that, you know, he was made into a game himself or his his, his name was transferred to a, another infamous character. <laughs> Yes, a pink puff that you can get an amiibo of. <laughs> I, know. I just love the irony in terms of like it's a character that swallows up <laughs> bad bad guys and spits Very them out. Good point. Wow, you took that to a metaphoric level I never thought about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I took that straight away when I heard that story about Kirby. I thought, yeah, that kind of comes across like a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, he so, was. Yeah. A- he was a great lawyer. Uh, and I, sorry, did you already mention this? I, I was looking at something real quick in the chat. Um, did you mention the the tangible, expensive reward they gave him? Well, money. You got pay, pay, pay rise. Well, aside from the money, he got a $30,000 sailboat named yeah. the Donkey Kong. Oh, no, I didn't know that about that part. Yeah, but that sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> that yep. makes sense, though. So, there you go. So, anyway and uh he he was the true king of kong (laughs) right yeah john kirby definitely Mm. excuse me the final postscript to this is there's some interesting discussion over the arcade rights Mm -hmm. mr jam have you ever noticed that not since the arcade game came out it's the only arcade game nintendo doesn't uh regularly produce and port and resell yep weird they always use the nes cart they even used it in nes remix Mm -hmm. do you know why do you know why people think this is the case no well rumors are suggesting that the original developers were in fact a little group called sega was hired (laughs) on to make the game like actually program it once the concepts and scenarios were built no, I did hear about this. Yeah, this is quite this, recent. Yes, and this is why no action was apparently taken against Sega from Nintendo when the isometric semi-clone of um, Donkey Kong came out called Congo Bongo. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other clones such as uh, Monkey Donkey, <laughs> <laughs> which is 
a oh, fucking gosh. awesome name. <laughs> Have you ever played Monkey Donkey with the no, big green Donkey Kong? It's fantastic. It is. Uh, it is totally. It's it's the Incredible Hulk of Donkey Kongs. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it is suggested that Nintendo doesn't have the rights to that arcade game, uh-huh. uh, which is why they are using these other versions. Uh, to be clear, just in case you're thinking about making a King Kong movie or video game now, <laughs> uh, Universal bought back those rights. There was a yeah. little Peter <laughs> Jackson movie that even had some 360 and PS2 games released uh-huh. for it. <laughs> Don't go trying that anymore. It is no longer public domain. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, and, and again, to back this up, it, it's very interesting because when Nintendo re-releases uh, certain games, Mario Brothers, Popeye, for example, these are all arcade ports, whereas, oddly enough, they always use the NES port for Donkey Kong. So, mm-hmm. Donkey Kong is a sordid tale of rights management now, isn't it? <laughs> and you thought we were going to talk about the game. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. As, as I tell everybody, that's not what our show is really about. We talked 13 seconds about the game and three <laughs> years about the uh, soap opera that went on behind the scenes. Uh, so <clears throat> now there was an immediate follow-up due to its popularity and quite a decent follow-up, I might add, even though I don't personally care for the game, which oh, was yeah. a little game called Donkey Kong Jr. Mm-hmm. Released the same year, 1982, into the arcades. Donkey Kong came early. Donkey Kong Jr. came late. Um Jam, have you played Donkey Kong Jr.? I have, and I played this. I did play this on dedicated cabs. Did this only come on dedicated cabinets, or did it? Um, was it conversion as well? Or? To my knowledge, these were dedicated mm. cabs. Yeah. So, mm. Mario's still Mario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mario's, Mario's bad now. So Mario's a dick. Yeah, it switches. It switches everything up. Anyway, you were going to say this game. This game's hard. <laughs> it's very- Much harder than the original game, in yeah. my opinion, in my uh, because opinion. most people can at least get to the cement factory. Mm-hmm. especially within a couple of lives it is entirely possible you are stuck on the first level for a long time with donkey kong jr mm-hmm. um you can also get through it i mean there are people who are very good at it um, but uh anyway um if you've never played this you play as junior the son of kong your dad is captured if you want to know how that happens see the uh spoilers the ending of donkey kong <laughs> uh, before the kill screen uh and uh <laughs> while the gameplay is switched up somewhat i think this game is a really cool this is an example of in the arcade days how to do a sequel proper yeah right because it switches up the gameplay just enough that it is its own game right just because you're good at donkey kong does not mean you're good at junior and vice versa in fact most people tend to like one or the other unless you're some crazy idiot savant like weeby and mitchell and stuff but uh actually i guess that backs the theory that they like both <laughs> but uh who knows do you like both or do you like one over the other oh i'll be i'll i kind of prefer the original over donkey Kong jr but i do appreciate donkey Kong jr it's just i haven't probably played it as much as the of the seat as the as the first game um okay. because it is very difficult and it's it's a tough one to get your head around i find as well this is kind of rather than donkey Kong kind of being i mean it's fairly simplistic. I think everybody can probably complete Donkey Kong, the original arcade, if you just you know if you have enough quarters or enough you know fifty um, p's or whatever to sink into it. Um, but yeah, um, but you do have to start at the beginning over and over again. But you're you're yeah. kind of right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, real quick, I want to chime in. Simon Belmont jumped into the the uh, chat and he said he was listening on Stitcher. So there's there's Sweet. how you figure out uh, how to listen to it from a mobile device. He says, "Hey Fred, sorry, but I was listening on Stitcher and I have to correct you on something." Cool. I love. 
finding out about this in mm-hmm. in, in the beginning um nintendo did release the official donkey kong complete version with the pie factory level and now that he says that i wonder if it was the pie factory that is the cut level not the cement factory but who knows okay. either way he's talking about the fourth level mm-hmm. it's called donkey kong original edition uh here's yeah, why i don't yeah. know what it is it came out on the 3ds virtual console in the u.s and we and on we in europe so mm-hmm. see I haven't. I don't get on the 3DS Virtual Console because I have decided it's, that if I'm going to Virtual Console it up, I'm going to do it at home. So that's why I didn't notice it. Uh, it's, it's not an excuse. It's just a reality. And he said it's exactly the same as playing that Donkey Kong NES ROM hack. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, it's on the 3DS store in Europe as well. I've got seen it. Um, okay. Well, I think he was just mentioning why yeah, yeah, course, you may yeah. have seen it on the Wii and I haven't. So um, there you go. Uh so, uh, although that still doesn't, uh, um, oh, cool. Sparky Kestrel says the C64 version lets you choose which level you want to start on of Donkey Kong. Um, that still doesn't bunk the theory about the arcade version. It just backs up the fact that Nintendo was able to integrate the final level if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, it's probably rushed. I'm guessing that's why it didn't make it. Of course, no one's talking about it. Nintendo's a little hard to find development on, which is why we have no fun stories for Donkey Kong Jr. Aside from the fact that it was the next game that Miyamoto and crew worked on. However, and is there anything you wanted to say about Junior before we move on? Nah, I think we covered Junior. There's not really much to say really about Junior. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) However, there is a little bit more to say about Donkey Kong 3. Yeah. Although this will be the first game that is not handled by uh, Miyamoto and crew came Mm. out in 1983 and guess what miyamoto was doing in 83 he was gearing up for a little console that was going to hit the market Mm -hmm. later that year um and he needed to get working on that and he was working on a concept he had where two plumbers get high on mushrooms and uh, (laughs) kill massive amounts of people that have been turned into bricks it's uh it's a terrible I always wanted to make like a true, a, a true video game classic. I wanted to make, yeah, like a like a. Have you ever seen those those things where they take the trailers and they switch them around? So they turn like comedies into horror movies and stuff by changing no, the tone, but they actually. Oh show no! Clips. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the best one that does the reverse of that is uh, The Shining. If you mm-hmm. look it up, just look for like Shining uh, drama or like lighthearted drama trailer, and they turn The Shining into. They use the song Salisbury Hill to turn uh, the shining into like a, a story about love um but uh but i've always wanted to do one of those for mario and make him into like this uh, sociopathic uh serial killer but the halloween music in the background you know? <laughs> I, I might jack around with that a little bit i've been i've been hoping to do some more comedy stuff for you guys so keep keep an open eye for that but uh, anyway donkey kong 3 um also, Jam, if you've got time and things like that, we may go a little long on this, um, but I'm going to have to take a quick break and uh, let my family know. So okay. anyway, moving on. Uh, although those wa- listening to the recorded one, it may not go a whole lot longer than you'd think. But uh, anyway, uh, so Donkey Kong 3, did you play this? Arcade yes, I otherwise? did. Not in the arc- I don't think I played the arcade version of this. I think it's the main one I've tried. Well, that's kind of the same, isn't it? But um, I played it at main. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that would be the the arcade version. Yeah, the NES version is pretty much the same game. Mm-hmm. It makes some graphical sacrifices, but nothing really. Um, what's interesting is it's 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 very different from the it's other a two sh- games. Shmup, really, isn't it? <laughs> Kinda, it's Kinda, a shooter. Yeah. I mean, 
Well, no, because it breaks the rule in a couple of ways. It's not scrolling, yeah. which no. doesn't necessarily... That doesn't mean anything, though. Neither is Galaga. In fact, <laughs> it's kind of the on-foot Galaga. You're either trying to kill bugs or get Donkey Kong to the top of the tree. That's how you win. And you play as Stanley. I know, Remember Stanley? The, yeah. Motherfucking Stanley, the pest control guy. <laughs> Everybody remembers him. He's a popular... He's in Smash Bros, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Is he? <laughs> you could have gotten me on that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but uh, anyway. Um, now, I did say I thought it was interesting to see how the passive passage of time has treated this game. Mm. Do you like this game particularly? I wasn't enamored by this game. Okay. I mean, you really are just running back and forth, either shooting bugs or shooting Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I said the passage of time was funny because back in the 80s, video game magazines, many of which I, were, I was reading for our panel research, um, were saying that Donkey Kong 3 was seen as new, innovative, and addicting. Oh, really? However, yeah. these days, that has been updated to mean repetitive <laughs> and boring. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Donkey Kong 3 is a hard game to return to. Um, I don't think you're going to like it as much, guys. So... Um, I mean, it's unique. I mean, I'll give it that, but it's it's well unique for the series. You know, they never went back to this kind of style since. Uh, uh, right, correct. Uh, real quick, the chat's asking a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiger Claw says, "Didn't Miyamoto work on Mario Brothers after uh, Mario Brothers? The arcade game was 1983. Uh, he will work on Mario Brothers." to create the scenario in late 82 and then he'll move over to the Famicom. So technically speaking, you are correct. I just mean at the time that Donkey Kong three goes into development, he's busy working on the Famicom. Uh, and Voss says, Mr. Game and watch actually Gunpei Yokoi would be responsible for the Donkey Kong games on the game and watch series. So there you go. Mm -hmm. So while Miyamoto may have had some say in the game design, he wasn't actively involved. However, Jam, for the next game, and probably one of my favorite of the Donkey Kong games, especially the original ones, do you know what the next one is? Is it the Game Boy port? Correct. Also known as Donkey Kong 94 in some circles, but it is. This is a big break as well. (laughs) Huge game. I think it it helps kind of. I, I, I consider it to be the building blocks of how to successfully do a remake or reboot. Hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I would. I don't think many had really done that up to this point. Mm. Like, I guess Pong got remade a bunch of times. It's called the Intellivision, but <laughs> or not the not the Mattel. What's the what's the 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 Magnavox Odyssey? The Magnavox Odyssey is nothing but a series of remakes of Pong. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yes, and and, and it, it shows though. It was yeah. made by all the big dogs at Nintendo. Miyamoto was in charge of production. Yamauchi. San was in charge of, um, uh, was in charge of uh, executive production, so he was probably overlooking it. Kanpei Yokoi had his hands in it uh, because the Game Boy was their baby, and the Game Boy, it should be pointed out, was now out for five years. Yeah, this is a big deal when this game comes out, at least in my opinion, and it was very popular among my friends when it did come out. Oh, really? Huh. It's probably yeah. unheard of when it came out over here, in my opinion. Really? Anyway, but yeah. And again, I, I'm not saying it was flying off the shelves or anything, but oh, no, most yeah. of me and my friends, we liked it and we all bought it. There was like an F1 racer that was like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those things where we started learning what we all know now, yeah. which is, uh, other than Sony, Sony hasn't figured this out, which is that uh, kind of smaller puzzle games that you can just drop in and drop out of are best set for portable games. So while six golden coins is great, it's a little hard to do in one sitting, and oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can save, but it's kind of goofy, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cumbersome to play that game. Uh, unless you're going to sit down in a home environment and play it or put it on Super Game Boy or something. Whereas Donkey Kong 94 is perfect for a bus ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it saves after each level. You can go back and forth. But uh, anyway, um, if you don't know what this game is, it starts off as a traditional Donkey Kong. You actually complete the first, first four levels of Donkey Kong. That's right, yeah. yeah. And then it opens up. That, that was the, the biggest surprise of this game because when you first oh, play yeah. it you're just if, especially if you're familiar with the arcade which by this point i was and you play this and you're like huh there's because i thought i thought the game would be over <laughs> i was expecting right? it to be here <laughs> yeah what because that would have been acceptable back then mm. yeah right you know we were just like oh cool they ported the and nobody told you what it was mm. like i don't even think they tell you on the box I think the box I, didn't, I didn't have the box, the I just one. had the car only. <laughs> so, well, there you yeah. go. That's definitely the case once you got into used games. Yeah. Mm. Um, 97 levels, though. 97 wow. more levels. <laughs> it's got a total of 101 levels, and I am not too proud to admit I haven't beaten half of them. Mm-hmm. This game gets... First of all, it's a combination of puzzle and platforming. And yeah. a lot of people say that, but no. like Difficult Donkey Kong platforming combined with the puzzles of like a low low game um it's also kind of cool because by this point you know all three marios are out in fact mario world has come out and they integrated large portions of all those games into this mm-hmm. especially the mario 2 you do a lot of picking up tossing and moving stuff around and keys fucking mario and yeah. keys. <laughs> mario's big on keys uh in fact, now that I think about it, isn't that weird that like the only thing that really was taken from Mario 2 and kept was keys? <laughs> that is kind of yeah. I never thought about that till now. Anyway, and the whole picking up mechanic. Yeah. I'm cool. like 20 years late to the party. I'm sure many other people have thought about that, but uh, um, yeah, the picking up mechanic not really because that was a goofy kind of pickup. They really fixed that in three. Okay, yeah. But anyway. It's all speculation or, or your own opinion. But anyway, the other big deal with this one was, Jam, I don't know if you did this, but if you put it in a Super Game Boy, it had its own custom background and uh, color scheme. Yeah, yeah. It was I did, literally I built to adjust to the Super Game Boy. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I like that. Ooh, TC says he has uh, Donkey Kong Jr. Game & Watch. Yeah. Uh, those are rare. Uh, all right. Um, so yeah, and Donkey Kong sixty four is on the uh, the virtual console for the three DS. A lot of these games are actually on, but even even um, the Game Boy version is on the three DS virtual console. Is that the one you're talking about? Because you just said you're going to Donkey Kong sixty four. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I bought it on the three DS. I think that's the only reason why. I, mm-hmm. You know thought about it, but yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I think all of these are on the virtual console. I think even Donkey Kong three is on virtual console. So. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm. it is. For better or worse. And I know we didn't <laughs> yeah. talk about Donkey Kong Jr. math. I think people can deduce <laughs> what that is. Um, I'm surprised that's on Virtual Console, that game. They For just sure. shit it all out. Somebody's going to want it. 
you know there is a part of you that's just if you I, never played I, it before, I have been like, hovering over it i really have have you ever played it no i haven't oh it's a it's, <laughs> it's fucking kids on keys man it I is know. a math game that's yeah yeah it's the easiest version of donkey kong jr you'll ever play um uh, gotta buy it then <laughs> <laughs> So oddly enough, Donkey Kong 94 is not the only game with Donkey Kong in the title to come out that year. Mm -hmm. There is a heavy hitter. And the whole reason we're doing this episode yeah, Mm -hmm. that hits this same year on the Super NES. Um, From a different developer. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And that is none other than the Rare developed, uh, developed by Rare, um... Donkey Kong Country. Whoop whoop. Kong Country, DKC, Jam, did you play this when it first came out? I rented this game when it first came out uh, with the SNES console with my brother. I was about <laughs> to ask. Yeah, you yeah. talked about that. Yeah. And to be clear, there's going to be some crossover with the Rare episode, so if you've heard the <laughs> Ultimate Play the Game Ultimate episode... Ultimate Play the Game. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, it's going to cross over. That's okay. I need to just open this up with I'm very fascinated with the development and the mm. cool stuff that they did in this game. Mm-hmm. And I want to clear the air right now. Donkey Kong Country is a good game. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's okay if you don't agree with that statement, but that's how I I'm feel surprised about you said that. that. <laughs> I know. I think it's not what everybody says it is. Mm. It's not of the best games. Oh, oh here it comes. So just wait till the... I'm hoping you guys will all forget that I'm saying this right now when we finally get around to the Super Nintendo Top 10. It is not one of the best games on the console. Um, it, it has the Sonic problem. It's not a bad game. It's just not of the best games. So uh, what about you, Jim? What do you think overall of this game? Well, I think if you're talking nostalgically, when, we, when you first played it back in the day, it looked fantastic um, graphically. It was something different um but that kind of to me is sort of where it kind of slightly ends because when you actually play the game it kind of feels a bit loose and a bit kind of a finicky platformer really i know that a lot of people will disagree with that um because they'll i know some of the comments i got from some friends today was oh yeah but the game was hard and that's kind of what it was designed to be but if you play the sequels which we'll talk about a bit later they just felt a bit more refined and um this game seems to be like just i guess the you know testing the water with something different and i appreciate it what rare did with this and it was you know it's the starting point basically but it's not as when i replayed it this week it wasn't as great as you remember nostalgically when you first played it well and in the defense of rare it is actually the easiest game rare's ever published (laughs) or at least up to this point (laughs) you know what i mean like rare made really difficult games 
uh, <laughs> through and through. These are the fuckers who are responsible for Battletoads, guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, yes, Donkey Kong is... It is kind of a Lucy Goose platformer. Um, it's hit detection's kind of shit, but it's for what it for what it's doing. Can you blame them? You know, and we'll discuss that in a minute. The technology and kind of how they were able to do this, because uh, just in case you guys are wondering how the SNES handles polygons, it's not the way Donkey Kong Country does it. It's the way that Star Fox does it. Five frames a second, really small screen. <laughs> <laughs> so just so we're clear um but uh i gotta give it a little bit of credit though um it copied the structure of mario world right mm-hmm. it is a yeah. nintendo second party game technically even a first party game uh and uh i, I do like the cart levels i think those are good ideas god those are hard <laughs> well yeah but they're good um the 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 barrels was a cool concept i i still think that's a good concept yeah um it's got a fucking snow level though and it's got a fucking uh and uh and some of the momentum that it wants you to keep the game's not very conducive to keeping you can but like i think of like yeah. the platforms that move left and right with a tire on them mm. Well, that's what I was saying. It feels quite of a, it's quite a loose platformer. You know, you always, it's a bit like with like the Mario games, or at least the you know sixteen-bit Mario games, where it feels like you always have to have the run button held down all the time <laughs> to kind of get anywhere. Right. Uh, just just so we keep everyone's opinions in there. Uh, I disagree. Says Simon Belmont. I think the original Donkey Kong Country is one of the best SNES games. Uh, it's best SNES games. It's also better than the two yeah. sequels with better level design and more interesting characters. Um, uh, that's fine what, yeah. you you don't like cranky kong um but uh, anyway <laughs> which is the original donkey kong uh i need to confess that i have played all three of them i have not played two or three in recent years this is okay. probably another purchase i'm gonna have to make on the virtual console because there's no fucking way i'm heading i'm hitting up snes carts these days no mm, way no way <laughs> you just get to a price point man and i know you know better than anybody because you're a brand new SNES what? owner but there's yeah, certain games I... there's certain games um that just oof. but uh i think i kind of mentioned on the video that i probably won't be buying many snes games for the actual console because they're crazy priced over here it's insane especially when they're so cheap on the well in comparison they're a lot cheaper on the virtual console yes uh hold on real quick uh okay. yes um uh yeah i agree with that uh they they're just they were just harder to find they were late games first mm-hmm. one was in 94 second one was in 95 last one was in 96 the fucking n64 was out um but uh i need to re i need to go back and, and replay those now here's one thing i will say that simon belmont kind of points out mm-hmm well, your likeness of the first game does kind of directly reflect whether or not you're a big fan of those uh, sidekicks. When Donkey mm-hmm. Kong's having swordfish sex on the back of it, <laughs> and uh, the rhino, the rhino was always my favorite. He he just yeah, I love the rhino. Um, what was the other one you get on this? Is the ostrich uh, in this one? Yeah, the ostrich is in there. The swordfish, the frog, the frog, as well. the freaking <laughs> frog. Now I forget. Are the rideable guys in the sequels? Uh, the rhinos in the second game, but they changed the animals. Uh, the second game has the spider, the parrot. 
Oh, so there's new animals and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. remember that as much, but I know I definitely remember Dixie Kong, the girl, and mm-hmm. she's got to be in at least. I think the third one's called Dixie's Conquest, so she's got to be second and third game. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's kind. It's kind of. It's it's interesting how they do the games because it's Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong in the first game, and then one of the characters basically carries over to the next game, and one is dropped. So the second game is Diddy and Dixie, and then the third okay. game is. Dixie and oh god, what was it? Mongo, kid, kid, like kid. I think it's Kid Kong or Kitty Kong or Kitty Kong. Okay. <laughs> I, might be, I think I might be wrong there. That might be the working title. But and before you guys think I'm completely insensitive when I say Mongo, even though the character's insensitive, I'm thinking of the Blazing Saddles character. Um, but uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so Donkey Kong Country again. All debates aside, it's got its pluses and minuses. I also kind of dug the boss battles. Um, oh yeah, that's cool. But uh, anyway, uh, oh here we go. Oh sweet. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will retweet that tiger. Um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the development. Do you know much about mm-hmm. the development of this game? Uh, well, only I probably probably what's already been mentioned from your ultimate play of the game uh, podcast. Okay. But yeah. I mean, for starters, obviously the Stamper Brothers are uh, mm-hmm. responsible for it. Uh, they were at Rare, and they had looked into design concepts because they had bought a Silicon Graphics workstation, which, just in case you guys don't know, those are 80,000-pound uh, not-weight price uh, supercomputers in 1994. Um, and so they, they, they would have costed you a pretty penny. Um, and uh, not something you just jack around with, especially when you're doing video game development on consoles that couldn't possibly handle those kinds of graphics. Uh, but they were doing it nonetheless, and they created a high-end 3D model while working on a boxing game. Now, that game never left demo development because the moment Nintendo came in to see that demo, uh, they immediately convinced Yamauchi to come out, purchase 49% of Rare, and create and make them a second party developer it's very uncommon really to be a second party developer yes although nintendo was doing (laughs) this they also bought up those brothers who made Star Fox and the Mm -hmm. super effects chip so they were really trying to and and let's face it they pushed the snes in directions that probably never should have been able to go much more so than they do with any of their other consoles really the nes they did a pretty good job with but the snes really had some impressive chips um they were they were sapping that sucker dry in a time where console generations were very short. The Genesis mm. was what eighty nine to ninety five, and the SNES was ninety one to ninety six. I mean, barely five years. So, it's also interesting that this is. I I could be wrong here, but this might be the last time Nintendo really was pushing graphics and hardware, whereas they took a more casual approach after this. Mm, or we might I guess. Yeah. Well. Maybe because Nintendo 64 looks so blurry and muddy. Eh. But let's face it, everything back then looked blurry and muddy unless it was 2D, <laughs> right? <laughs> Symphony of the Night looks fucking awesome compared to, like, D. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Or, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not really apples to apples there, but uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> But uh, the chat's cracking me up with their, their statements. But... Um, uh but uh, we get going through the various kongs <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway um first thing rare was asked was what game do you want to make and they said we'd like the donkey kong license and nintendo said sure 
So, uh, mind you, these talks probably took place in 93, 92, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, in fact, it seems like something they would probably do right after they fucked over Sony for the CD console <laughs> known as the PlayStation, and probably right after they immediately then fucked over Philips, who that was who they fucked Sony over for. They 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 fucked over a lot of people because they there's were a lot of fucking. Of, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of fucking because they're scared of discs. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so, yeah, so they, they, they asked for the Donkey Kong license. Nintendo approved it. You almost wonder if Donkey Kong Game Boy wasn't perfectly set up to prepare everybody for later that year getting DKC. Because uh, mm. they could have easily produced that Donkey Kong 94 in the time that they were working on this. Because this game was an initial 12-man development team expanded to 20 and they worked hard for over 18 months to design the game, which means development started at the end of 92. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is exactly what I was just talking about. Uh, at this point, it was the largest team at Rare to ever work on a single game. So, there you go. Uh, Nintendo was consistently concerned with the difficulty of the game in play uh-huh. tests. They were hoping to create a game where mass audiences could potentially complete it or at least have fun with it. And Rare was constantly having to redo the levels to make them easier. Believe that (laughs) or not. (laughs) Yeah, they made fucking Battletoads Donkey Kong style. (laughs) Uh Well, shut my mouth. (laughs) I am absolutely (laughs) loving the the chat right now, by the way. (laughs) Um, But uh, anyway... (laughs) I just read that. Uh, <laughs> Miyamoto was, uh, for the first time ever, on... Well, no, I guess that's not... Regardless of what I just said, Miyamoto was almost completely removed from this project. Although, I did find a little blurb that says the uh, the high five. The psh, ho, ho, ho. You know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is Miyamoto's concept. So, oh, really? For how to switch between <laughs> the characters, yes. So... Um, Wasn't that that thing that Miyamoto, they said, in, I think it was in media where they said Miyamoto didn't like this game or something, but that's apparently been found to be not true. Hmm. There's this, this rumour that it was apparently that he didn't care for the, the this version of Donkey Kong and he didn't agree with it, but but later speculation has been that it's not true at all and that he did care about it. Apparently he came out with some other concepts as well, like hmm. in the swimming levels or something. Yes, okay, so... Just in case you were wondering, I've got the answer for this. Um, the quote uh, that he got into in trouble he got in trouble <laughs> for was, "Donkey Kong Country proves that players will put up with mediocre gameplay as long oh, okay. as the art is good." <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is the kind of shit that I'll say that gets me into trouble. <laughs> Um, what he means by that is Donkey Kong Country looks a lot better than it plays. It's not a very innovative game. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, Miyamoto does come out uh, at E3 2010 and clear up things because they announce uh, the Donkey Kong Country Returns for the Wii, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. game, and the 3DS port is very workable. I got it yeah. as like one of my bonus deals for buying a game or something, so I definitely recommend it. But here's what he said. First point I want to make is that I actually worked very closely with Rare on the original Donkey Kong Country. So that's a completely com- counter to what I just read you. So apparently nobody knows what the fuck happens at Nintendo development. So there we go. 
Miyamoto did apparently work very closely with Rare. In fact, he was probably the asshole who was telling them to keep making the game easier. <laughs> anyway, he said, and apparently some rumor got out that I really didn't like the game. I just want to clarify that is not the case. I was very involved in the game and any of my successful games I'm very proud of. I am. Uh, I was even emailing almost daily Tim Stamper right up to the end. On the flip side, he does just come out and say, well, that's not true. I was working closely with them on the game. But he doesn't really clarify what he said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, he says, yeah, no, 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 so, for the record, I like yeah. the game. But they, they <laughs> never asked him, like, well, then explain what you said. Like, what does your quote mean? But I think, I think what it really means is, is what I've said about the game, which is it looks a lot better than it plays right it it does nothing to step game design forward other than again i will concede uh the cart that's a trick that was used everywhere in fact rocket knight has a fucking fun ass i guess world of carts in it but uh um however uh um the barrels was pretty new i think that was a pretty new and innovative mm. thing um so anyway uh, so here's how they came about with the look. Donkey's look was the classic ape, along with a mild personality and the red necktie as seen in the Game Boy remake. It is rumored, and this is probably proven true by what Miyamoto said, it is rumored that um, these decisions, the personality and the necktie, were led by Nintendo development as a result of the 1994 Game Boy game that released just before Donkey Kong Country. Now, Diddy Kong, on the other hand, who was originally going to be Dinky Kong, and <laughs> Nintendo Legal was like, fuck no, <laughs> uh, was developed to create a teenage version of the original Donkey Kong Jr. So that's where Diddy comes from. Which is weird, right? Because Donkey Kong is actually, in this game, Donkey Kong is Jr. Yeah, it's Jr., yeah. But anyway, it became the standard for Nintendo's use of the character and lives to this date. Although from 1995 to 2002, anytime the character was shown in anything that does include Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, he was given the Rare logo somewhere at the beginning of the game to give them credit for it. Of course, after they were sold to Microsoft in 2002, Rare's logo disappears. However, the original game design or character design does remain intact. So, okay. In order to make the movements of the characters, this is what you were kind of talking about, Jam, a team at Rare watched live gorillas in a <laughs> yeah, zoo yeah. for a long time and integrated their movements into the game. Unfortunately, due to some odd and frantic behaviors of gorillas, horse galloping was also used to fuse the movement between moving ape and running platformer. So there you go. All right, you ready for the graphics? So here's how the graphics That's were it. made. It's a smoke and mirrors trick, guys. It's a fucking pen and teller shit. It's a trick that very effectively works on the Amiga title Stardust. Have you played Stardust, Jam? Uh, not, wait, remind, remind me what this game is. I'm not sure I have, actually. I have not played Stardust. I have no, no fucking clue. I just figured that, you know, you Brits have played every single game that ever came <laughs> no, out on that no. game. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, Stardust, and it would be the staple for Rare games moving forward for most of the 90s. Uh, coined by the term ACM through Nintendo or Advanced Computer Modeling, Rare utilized a handful of these uh, silicon graphics computers to create high-end 3D models. Then they took these models and used a newly developed compression method that they had created to allow animated stamps of the moving characters. 
So basically, they could create animations by doing a bunch of freeze frames of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then highly compress the backgrounds for set designs. So that's how it's done. It's a bunch of uh, movies, basically, on a flat background. So it's how Goro is in Mortal Kombat. It's the same thing. Mm. So... Uh, the game was also coupled, though, with a killer soundtrack. And this I've got to get behind. I don't know about you, but uh, the sound design and music of Donkey Kong Country, the original, is fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. The other ones are good, too. They kind of carry on the trends. But it's established and doesn't change much between the three games. So that's why I definitely think the first one's the best. Um, just everything from, just to give people an idea, just the echo effects of like donkey or di- uh, or diddy in a in a barrel like them knocking out yeah that's <laughs> great <laughs> knocking. um the uh the eeriness of like a cave level the fact that the lights go out i forgot to mention that that was kind of front for frontward thinking in fact i'm liking donkey kong country even more in my head as i continue to discuss it mm. but um but uh it makes me want to replay actually i know (laughs) simon belmont's doing that as well in the chat and even the uh even the water levels the underwater like swimming levels and stuff uh are pretty cool um so yeah i I really i really dig a lot of what they did and they definitely made the most of sony's chip um they even released uh the whole soundtrack onto a cd called dk jams that's j yes i heard about this yeah yeah does jam have dk jams (laughs) <laughs> no jam does not have tk jam <laughs> it is a 48 disc or 48 track 48 CD. disc 48 track cd however tracks 25 through 46 are blank so it's more like hey you <laughs> we have a special <laughs> guest. have an audience uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway live studio <laughs> this uh, highly expensive experiment uh, worked like a charm donkey kong country releases in late 94 and just obliterated the multi-platform competition and um, destroyed earthworm jim earthworm jim does <laughs> get buried under this uh and for the most part i think it buried sega genesis as a viable console from this point forward really they'll do some tricks to kind of try to go toe-to-toe right fantasy star 4 will come out which uh doesn't do anything fancy but but uh but uh, like virtual racing um, is cool, but uh, is, I think, competing more with Star Fox. But this is really like the beginning of the end for uh, the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they never got anything like this, uh, like Donkey Kong Country. But um, And apparently the fans agreed because it sold more than 9 million copies and spawned a whole new franchise for Nintendo. So yep. And to this day, with Which Tropical right, yeah. Freeze, it's still going on. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so DKC was definitely a big deal. Okay, so uh, now that my audience is gone, uh, we will move <laughs> on. And, uh, oh, man, I cannot read the chat right now. I'm going to crack up. Okay, so uh, when they knew they had a hit on their hands, I mean, to the tune of 9 million units, like, that's, that's pretty huge. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they go on to use this, uh, this technology for Killer Instinct, which mm. I don't know why I like I that imagine. game. but <laughs> Yeah, that's your guilty pleasure, bro. So. Game. Uh, it, it's like Street Fighter mixed with Mortal Kombat, and it's not particularly good at being either. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, um, sorry, what were you going to say? I don't know. I, I was on, on Killer Instinct. I was going to say that yeah, the graphical style of that felt very sort of similar to Donkey Kong Country. Oh, it absolutely was the uh, ar- the whole arcade game. Like even the arcade yeah. version was done that way. So, 
Um, okay. Do, 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 do. So next we get on to um, the one that I, I misrepresented its name. I said it was Dixie's Conquest, and I thought it was the third game. No, it's actually Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Diddy Conquest. Yep. So, Conquest, um, yeah. Yeah, Kong Space Quest. Clever. It's a bit like the uh, Mortal Kombat acronyms. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so you ready for the, uh, the, the big, long development story on this one? This one's crazy. Yes, I don't know much about this one. Yeah. Oh, you know why? Because no one fucking talked about it. They basically just bared <laughs> down for 12 months and burned out another game in less than a year. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's where the question comes in. Um, did they make a good sequel? I would say yes, <laughs> but I'm, I'm being on the air of caution now. <laughs> uh, well, here's what I here's what I like about what they did with this game, mm-hmm. um, and and I will apologize, guys. We were kind of joking earlier how we don't talk much about the game itself, but I think when we start talking about this trilogy, we have kind of no choice. Um, but what was interesting about this game was, uh, first of all, they added Dixie Kong. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that I lost Donkey Kong. I don't know. I just like him better. Mm-hmm. Not than Dixie. I'm not like sexist. I just like him better <laughs> as one of my protagonists. Um, what I will give credit to, though, is Dixie has the float, right? She can spin her yeah. big ponytail and she can help you float. And as much as us manly men don't like to ad- excuse me, don't like to admit it, um we like the hover that these female protagonists are given in the various Nintendo games that allow us to not have to worry so much about our platforming skills. And I think Dixie does allow for that. Mm-hmm. I also like the pirate theme. It was very much more pirate. Themed. I like that. Yeah. So, so Yar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to explain that. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Um, but, uh, and, uh, I think the boss is the same, right? Uh, well, the end boss, yeah, the final yeah, boss, K. Uh, King get yeah, K. Rool, that's it. Yeah. He's, he's dressed as a pirate though this time. <laughs> I know it's all pirate themed. It's great. Mm. Way before Pirates of the Caribbean did it. I also loved the water physics. It's kind of like a pre-rendered sneak preview of what we'll see with Wave Race. So, kind of big into that. But uh, I don't know. Was there anything specifically? I just don't remember each specific level, but... Uh, oh, I do remember there was a lot more involvement of Cranky Kong. Uh, oh, he's cutting out. Hello? Oh. Oh. Jam? You're cutting out quite a bit, buddy. Hold on. We're going to pause the recording for a sec, guys. Okay, we've got our communication issues cleared up. Okay, so back to Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> oh, you're sounding great, man. Okay. Um, the other thing was, wasn't this the game where you could get more than 100%? There were, like, some hidden levels or something. Well, they had hidden levels in the in the first game, but, you know, obviously that, that added up to 100%. But I don't know if this is one where you go over 100%. I, oh, yeah, this is so- the one where you get to 102%. Okay. Um, I just couldn't remember how, mm. but uh, yeah, it was a Nintendo Power contest again. Yeah, of course, I yeah. read all about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and as you were saying, new yeah, animals. Well, 
What? Before we got before we got cut off, I was going to say that this game introduced like the the token mechanic. So you had tokens now to exchange for sort of like you know hints and tips from Cranky Kong, and um, that's right. You could use them to learn stuff from Donkey. Well, not what was it Kong College <laughs> with the old lady? Yeah, Kong College. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, yeah. she was great. Uh, was there's like Kong a college now. I gotta look this up. And there's like a game show guy as well. I can't remember what he was called. Uh, oh. God, I only just played it the other day as well. Cranky um, Kong, blah, blah, blah. Kong letters, life balloons, blah, blah, blah. Shit. Why can't <laughs> easy stuff be easy to find? Uh, ah, f- I can't find it. Oh, Swanky Kong? Uh, I think that's the contest guy, the one okay. that does the game show Wrinkle- stuff. Yeah, Wrinkly Kong is the Wrinkly one Kong who sounds does, about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for college, the yeah. Monkey Museum, uh, or is does the college? Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Frank yeah. Swanky yeah. Kong is the one who does the uh, who does the game show, and Funky Kong is the surfer from the first one. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, Gotta have your '90s surfer. That's a must. Yeah. Be. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, you know what? It was good to see the guy from TNC Surf Design finally getting work again. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, have you ever played TNC Surf Design Jam? No, oh my god i have to show you this game oh my god i want to make a fuck i'm making a video of that shit like tonight i'm just gonna throw that shit up somewhere uh tnc surf design you yeah you're either like a a monkey that looks just like uh, funky kong mm-hmm. or you're a uh, uh like a like a hula dude with a tiki mask on his face and it's a skateboarding game it's a skateboarding oh, wow. surfing game fantastic <laughs> anyway it stood for Town and Country Surf Design. It was a surf company out in California. Uh, so anyway, um, so yeah, it was again. It was a fun game. It was a little bit more of the same, but they switched some things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the pirate theme I liked. I dug the pirate theme. A couple of new enemies, you know, bitches, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So, um, but it was just more. It, it, think of it as almost like a full game size expansion pack. Mm-hmm. You know, of today, um, it was the, uh, you know, Shivering Isles expansion of Donkey Kong <laughs> Country. But uh, anyway, um, the other thing I got to talk about is the soundtrack. I am particularly in love with the soundtrack for Donkey Kong I Country. I think the soundtrack's too. great for this one. Yeah, it was David Wise's creation. Um, David Wise is known for uh, quite a few uh, pretty cool soundtracks, especially uh, as, a, as a composer for uh, basically various games but mostly rare games some of my favorite stuff he did was wizards and warriors on the nes mm-hmm. he did rc pro-am on the nes have you ever played that game no but i've had oh that, yeah. jam oh my god I, oh i gotta play all these games for you um <laughs> and then uh and then probably you know some of his more notable stuff that he did later uh was he was responsible for uh the nightmare on elm street soundtrack if you guys go back and listen mm-hmm. to th- or go watch the video of me doing that um uh, it's actually a pretty cool soundtrack, even though the game's not great. Uh, he did the Battletoads soundtrack, so your your pause music that made it into our soundtrack. He he was responsible mm-hmm. for that, um, but uh, and he won't do too much on the SNES um, until Donkey Kong Country. But yeah, he he was definitely did some awesome stuff. Um, he was a partial, you know, creator of a lot of the Donkey Kong Country stuff, but. Uh, reason i love him is my favorite artist is uh phil collins and the bayou boogie song was uh was trying to get the snes 
sound like the Roland CR78 that Phil Collins used for <laughs> In the Air tonight. So, of course, I loved that. So, um, You can also buy an overclocked remix album if you're really into it, but I think it was Jap- Japan only. So, um, But, yeah, and it, and it sold pretty well, uh, this game. Uh, I want to say 4 million? 4.3 million. Mm-hmm. So, not as good as the last, but you got to remember, it's 95 things are coming out now the playstation and the saturn are at retail the n64 is around the corner so anyway um and then they'll go into donkey kong country 3 dixie kong's double trouble um now this one i know very little about i yeah i agree i'm the same unfortunately okay because it's it's really so late in the life cycle it's of the SNES. November 96 release. It literally went out toe-to-toe against the N64 and Mario 64. Mm. Dumb. <laughs> That's dumb. That was not a smart move. That's why it's expensive nowadays. So, oh, no, 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 no surprise, yeah, of course. But... It's rare because they were dumb. <laughs> but it is on virtual console for a reasonable price. Cheaper than buying it. Yeah, bucks, which is smart. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah um kitty kong is is uh diddy kong's uh younger cousin and uh dixie is now boning diddy so like every good girlfriend she's gonna (laughs) carry along the uh the young cousin um i think it was a misstep to make donkey and diddy both completely absent in this game as playable characters um funky's still there cranky's still there uh swanky's still there (laughs) fact they're all fucking still there even king k rule makes it as the enemy so it almost makes me wonder why in the world they decided to go with dixie now i'm sure dixie was a liked character i'm sure playtests proved that she was worth keeping in there. Mm. but why create kitty kong i don't even know how uh. he play. does he play a whole lot differently it almost felt like they were trying to bring back the strength of donkey kong that's that's what i felt looking at this game is it but i don't think kitty kong does anything particularly different i could be wrong maybe the chat will correct us in a second but um it just felt like a like I basically- mean, he can bounce on water i know he can do that mm. but i don't know uh, is it because it's kind of creepy if uncle donkey kong is with uh <laughs> the teenage girlfriend I bet that would be creepy, actually. Um, well, but they are just apes. <laughs> it's just like, they are just apes. Who and also, cares about statutory rape yeah. in their kingdom? And of course, uh, Donkey Kong, uh, Dixie Kong's in the Tropical Freeze game with Donkey Kong, so you can put it in. There. I know, I know, all the other characters are in it as well. Like even Cranky Kong's playable in that game. But it's just that well, they went back like, to that later. Yeah, let me put this into perspective for you, Jam. <laughs> right okay being in the back of a sonic drive through <laughs> right as the uncle with the 15 year old cousin's girlfriend in the car not cool being in the back of a sonic drive through with a fucking family van full of people perfectly fine <laughs> so. and that's the list of the day children yes, yes exactly. <laughs> it's when you're alone with them that it doesn't go over well but uh, anyway um so yeah, uh, this game came out uh, and reviewed high, actually. Reviewed yeah, it, it, it reviewed very well. But in contrast, it uh, it only sold 2.89 million copies worldwide. So, because everyone's buying the other consoles. Yep, absolutely. So, so uh, the game looks okay. I kind of want to go back and replay it. Mm. I still think the better name for Kitty would have been Mongo, though. 
Yeah, Mario would have been better. <laughs> the cover art's pretty awesome for this game. Mm. But, uh, yeah. I, mean, I think all the cover arts are pretty good for the, the country series. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I like this one the most, though. So, okay. Um, now, Donkey Kong 64 will come out. <laughs> but I think before we talk about those, we need to go back to the Game Boy and talk about some pretty technically impressive feats known as Donkey Kong Land. Mm. I should also point out that these are known as Super Donkey Kong in the Japan. In, in Japan. Super mm -hmm. Donkey Kong is the SNES versions. Super Donkey Kong GB is the... Uh, is the the Game Boy versions makes sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, these are also made by Rare, um, so they were working on those, and uh, this is another one of those uh, Super Game Boys that uh, they give special vis visual effects, cartridges, a background, things like that. Gets a fun little jungle theme border. Mm -hmm. um, now, have you played this game? I have. I, I've got the first one. Yeah. Okay, and it's weird because it's a direct sequel to the first game. Is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Country, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so, I think that's interesting. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to see what's going on here. Yeah, it just seems like a pretty normal game other than Cranky Kong's fucking with you the whole time. <laughs> of course. Uh, I also know that the cart is yellow. Yeah, that's right. I well, that I think I think game. all the carts for each game were yellow. But... Oh, okay. Well, how about that? So, um, what do you think of this game? I mean, it's. It, it, do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of that tech. Those images we saw of Resident Evil playing on the Game Boy, where the get. It's amazing they put this game on a Game Boy, but it's very hard to play on this small screen. Is it the big sprites, small world kind yeah, of scenario? Yeah, it is. Okay. It's it's not bad. It's not a bad game. It's it is basically the SNES game on your Game Boy. Um, you know, uh, it's it's impressive. I think it's better to play this on like um, on the Game Boy Color because it's a little bit easier to recognize the sprites. Because when you play on that kind of monochrome background, mm. it's very hard to tell sort of you know enemies from the isn't background. It using, isn't it using like dot matrix shaders to look really clever? But it really is just a clever mm. form of like yeah. shading. Yeah, that's how it kind of comes across. Okay. Um, it is. I think. That, I think this is like some people have a love hate relationship with this game. I. I don't mind it. Um, I also. I haven't completed it though. So because it is. It is. Well, I think my car's a bit busted because I got it from um from a flea market a while ago, and it's one of those ones that. Mm. that may, <laughs> yeah. There we go. But I think that maybe the battery say is gone or something like that. So I can only play for it like once. But you know. But it is on Virtual Console for the 3DS. So maybe I'll go back to this. Give it another shot. Yeah, I was thinking about giving it a try. Uh, actually, mm. it seems to be the trend they do with Donkey Kong Land 2, which uh, follows immediately after the second game, Diddy's Conquest. Uh, mm. Has all the same names for the levels, but does not have the same level designs. Mm. So, there you go. And uh, it looks like... Donkey Kong Land 3, which was a little more relevant because the Game Boy continues on, um, was, uh, was also in this and seemed to do okay. I don't know. People just don't talk about it. Yeah, it's not, it's not really talk about it. And the people that do mention it will probably mention, the, you know, that yeah, it was all right. <laughs> but, 
but no, it's not held in high regard, I'd say. Gotcha. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah, again, the chat there, the chat is the answer to all who I found, especially in this podcast. They've been creating us a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was disconnected from chat for a second, but I'm back now. But uh, um, Simon Belmont says it's interesting yeah. how Nintendo had Donkey Kong Land, but decided to port Donkey Kong Country on the GBC on the Game Boy Color. Mm. Yes, because I guess we should talk about that as well. Donkey Kong Country, I think one did one, two, and three all, all three ported? to the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Okay, to the Game Boy Advance. And there was one, uh, Donkey Kong Country got ported to the Game Boy Color as well. Uh, I've never played that version, though. I've never seen it as well, but that's that was the only... But obviously Donkey Kong Land got um, three, two sequels that were kind of similar, and they had the same characters from the country sequels. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I've always wanted to go back and see these. I might see if I can find these. I wonder if there's a whole I lot I think of... they're the reasonably priced. They're not too expensive to find. Uh, I think the, the advanced games, um, the Donkey Kong Country Game Boy Advance versions mm-hmm. go for a surprising amount over here. Yeah, but they're on the Virtual Console, aren't they? Yeah, they're on the Virtual Console, so... Okay. Yeah. yeah, Donkey Kong Country on the Game Boy will if i do cart only will set me back between eight and ten dollars mm-hmm. oh for damaged label Ooh. <laughs> um, if uh-huh. i want a good label i'm gonna pay more like 20 uh-huh. so anyway that might be worth checking out Ooh, here's one ending in six hours that's 550 with no bids maybe that'll okay. net something but anyway um, yeah, I'm curious to do an experiment and check those out. Uh, but uh, And then let's get to the, the controversial <laughs> one. And why is it controversial? Because I believe I don't like it and everybody else does, which is <laughs> Donkey Kong Country 64. Now, Donkey Kong Country 64, much like its previous games, like Mia, Mr. Miyamoto said, it proves that uh, beautiful visuals will uh, override uh, game design now, doesn't it? But, but yeah, so this was, this came out in 1999. So wow. Donkey Kong goes on a two-year hiatus, and I bet that was for development. Oh, yes. Do you know much about the development of this? I, I know about some of the complications, okay. um, which was the. But I guess you'll get to that a bit. How they, you know, they had they had the the RAM the expansion pack was compulsory because of a bug in the game. That's true. That's the only reason that RAM pack is needed. Yeah, and it ended up costing costing I think Nintendo or maybe Rare quite a lot because they had to include an expansion pack with every game. They <laughs> so. did, and I believe that was it. Is it this one and Majora's Mask that are the only two that need it, or does does Majora's oh, Mask no. not even need it? Oh, I don't know about it, Majora's. I didn't. I don't think that needed it. Um, Perfect Dark needed it. That was no, it doesn't actually. Well, uh, you can only play the multiplayer without it. You can't play the single player right without it. So, and then or, there's or, a bunch of games that yeah. are benefited from it. Let's find out Nintendo 64 expansion pack. Let's find out the games that absolutely needed it. Uh, Nintendo published. A handful of titles that are required or use the expansion pack. Oh my god, this 
This website I looked up. Jesus Christ. Guys, watch it with your ads here. Like, there's there's a limit, man. Um, okay, Donkey Kong 64 requires it, and Majora's Mask does it require it. It does. Oh, it does? Oh, yes. wow. Hmm. You have to have the pack for Majora's Mask. In fact, just because I know you're wondering... The rest of them uh, has there's a lot of benefits, including 645 by 480 modes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Let's find out why Majora's Mask needs it. Utilize to increase texture detail, remove fog that is prevalent in Ocarina of Time, and increase the number of on-screen models as well as effects. It's required for certain scenes. So there you go. There you go. Huh. Yep. So Majora's Mask is the other one. I don't think it shipped with it though. No. No, it didn't. Oh, Donkey Kong 64, oh, that intro music. Oh, you mean the Donkey <laughs> Kong rap? Yeah, you know what? Let's write down the timestamp here. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let's throw the fucking Donkey Kong rap. It, it's right also here. featured on Top Scores Volume 1. <laughs> it is, because it is a Top Score Volume 1. Anyway, all right, we'll, we'll talk real quick about the development. So hmm? uh, it was originally called Ultra Donkey Kong. Started development in 1997. That makes sense. They were working on, in 96, they'll release the Donkey Kong Country 3, which means it was probably ready for cert in October. The team takes two months vacation and then hits the ground running in 97 for the Ultra 64, right? Oh, no, it's now the Nintendo 64. Uh And it was going to be a 64DD exclusive. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, it was going to be released in holiday of 98. Um, And a... a, a demo cart was made, uh, which was uh, quite a bit different than the original game. Um, Grant Kirkhope comes in and does the the music this time around, but it doesn't really matter because of the shitty sound effects that the N64 is capable of. Because they didn't, uh, you have to literally cut into um, processing power in order to run complex sound, which is weird. Um, but of course, the DK raps in there. was written by Kirk Hope. So, you know, his legacy lives on. Um, uh, especially with the line, uh, his coconut gun can fire in spurts. If he shoots oh you, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Guess what? Kid friendly. That's true of all, <laughs> all rapping monkeys. But mm-hmm. uh, the rap also contains the word hell. Um, which, oh, I think uh, they cut that, didn't they? That was sensitive. In your version. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. And in Melee, they switched it to heck. But yeah. uh, in our version, it says hell. So. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> How mature. I know, right? Um, 
Um, the fungi forest. The fungus forest was cut from Banjo-Kazooie and integrated into uh, Donkey Kong 64 is the fungi forest. But uh, anyway, as you were saying, uh, the 4 megabyte uh, version of the game has an unknown bug that somehow was fixed with the expansion pack. So it must have been a RAM allocation issue. Mm. Um, so they had to... Uh, they had to give the expansion pack for free, which that expansion pack was twenty nine ninety nine. just in case people yep. were wondering. So uh, it was a good reason to go buy the game, though. The game was fifty nine ninety nine and came with the expansion pack. Mm-hmm. They might have started it off at sixty nine ninety nine. now that I think about it. But uh, anyway, so let's, uh, um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So do you like this game or do you not like this game? <sighs> I well, I don't mind it. I, I find the game mediocre in comparison. It's it's not great. The problem with um, I think by this stage in the N sixty four's life cycle is um, DK sixty four came across as more of a collecting game. Really, it's collects oh, a lot shit. of stuff. Yeah, and um, you know, I you know, I played Banjo Kazooie before this, and uh, a lot of the rare games. This was before Conquer's Bad Fur Day as well. Um, it, it just felt like, okay, this is getting a bit much now of the collecting stuff, you know? Um, well, each Kong, you have to go collect all their bananas to open the next level. Yeah. And that's a lot of work. It's not a bad game, though. I'll be honest. I, there are elements of it I enjoy. I enjoy stuff like that, you know, you, each, each Kong has different abilities. You can use guns. Uh, Funky Kong is playable. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. But and he's got guns, because <laughs> he would, right? You saw Point Break. That's how surfers roll. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, but uh, so okay. So you so you like the different characters and things like that. I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot to do at each level. Uh, I'll probably disagree with that. I mean, there's plenty to do. It's a game that you have to revisit a lot. Um, I mean, some of the kind of what it's not a game you have to right, go. Yeah, let me rephrase that. Yeah. There's not a lot to do when you're on your fourth and fifth go through the same level. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of repeating, repetition, you know, going back and forth. It's a game that I think you will prefer it if you just steadily play it over kind of a course of a few months rather than kind of like forcing yourself to play through the whole thing um, in one go. Well, and here's, uh, a th- here's a thing you'll, you'll notice, Jam. You haven't played Mario 64 yet, have you? I started playing it. So. Okay, good, because you're going to have to for this uh, top 10 discussion. <laughs> yeah, um, that's why I started playing it. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the argument could be made, well, Mario 64 has you replaying each level seven times if you're trying to get every star. And yeah, at that's least true. Yeah. six times by design, right? Um, I think the reason it's different is because it's a new fun trick to get everything, whereas for these guys, it's they didn't seem to do enough level specific items for each character. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really design the levels around each character. And then you couple that with the fact that you're collecting a bunch of stuff and it really does make it pretty hard uh, for me to, to get behind it. And again, I'm going to have to throw this caveat out there when you already know that one rare has created Banjo Kazooie and maybe even Tui at this point. 
Definitely Banjo Kazooie. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's a better yeah. game. And Mario 64 w- was a better game, although I don't hold it under that scrutiny. Meaning Donkey Kong 64 Donkey Kong Country is not as good as Mario World. So I did not expect Donkey Kong 64 to be as good as Mario 64. And I don't think you should expect it to be as good. However, whereas Donkey Kong Country can be argued as a really good game. And, uh, you know, even if you see some issues with it, there's some stuff you like about it. This game is really like, how much tolerance do you have to repeat levels and collect a bunch of shit? (laughs) So, anyway... Um, but, uh, but I do want to give it its, 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 its due diligence. Like I want to give it, it's, yeah. it, it looked really good. Got to give it credit. Oh yeah, absolutely. The uh, backgrounds are cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Like, uh, um, not that that matters as much, but, uh, you know, it, it gave you stuff to do. Um, it's probably the first one that was pretty easy to get to the end of. Oh yeah, I think this is there wasn't as big a challenge as the two D platformers. No, in fact, uh, Chip says the only hard part in this game is when you have to play the arcade. Oh really? Yeah. So, but uh, I was probably I was probably Chip uh, actually finished the game. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I know. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I need to revisit this game. Maybe I need to revisit this game before passing judgment on it uh, for our top ten. Mm. But uh, it's on Virtual Console, like everything we've mentioned today, <laughs> pretty much. And it had a yellow game pack. If you don't get it, on oh, not in here. Over here is the gray card still. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe it was just the first run in America. But yeah, there's a there's a yellow game pack, and it, you also got like a you got a official console for this game as well, didn't you? The jungle the green. green console, yes, that you could see through, which is currently worth approximately $55, according to the Midwest Gaming Classic. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so, um, I think this game did well, though, in sales for the N64. Let's see how it fared. Ooh, Nintendo Power gave it the 1999 Game of the Year. Oh, wow. <laughs> and E3 gave it blessed, blessed, Best Platformer at the Games Critics Awards uh, the summer before it came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, got the so you got the accolades. You did get the accolades. It, they don't talk about sales. Um, okay. It's possible Nintendo didn't keep, didn't make those readily available to the public, as mm-hmm. you had said. Uh, Rare has gone on, you know, record and said it cost them a, uh, a fortune to include the expansion. Pack, yeah, that so. might have been damaging to it. Well, if you think about it, the expansion pack, they were probably paying what it cost to produce. If they're selling it for 30 it probably costs like 10 for Nintendo to make it. So you take that 10 bucks, but you take, you know, the manufacturing and all of the cutbacks and stuff like that from, from everything, maybe even the license from Nintendo. When Rare is figuring out what they're going to make for the game, they're probably only making between 20 and 30 bucks. So you take 10 away from that and ouch, mm. you know, so... We should also point out they were semi shortly after this uh, <laughs> sold off yeah. to Microsoft. Well, did they, they did that GameCube game? The was it Star Fox Adventures? <laughs> oh yes, I one. forgot. <laughs> yeah, after that, like how can but you? Yeah, who who remembers that? Um, <laughs> and uh, and and to be to be clear, they did start work on Cameo. 
Um, I yeah. don't know if that was for Nintendo, but it was I, definitely for the GameCube. I, I get confused sometimes. I don't because they had a game that was they were going to call Dinosaur Planet. But I think that was Star Fox Adventures. So that was, and they decided to slap the Star Fox license on it and uh, shitty it up. Oh, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Uh, we'll save that for the Star Fox episode. But uh, anyway. All right, well, we've gone more than two hours, so uh, why don't we call this a go? Uh, I will point out, I don't think it's uh, Rare-based. Um, in fact, I can prove it right now. But uh, on the GameCube, uh, the big thing they did was the Donkey Kong bongos. So Yes, yeah, so I mentioned that um, earlier. The, uh, was it Donkey Konga? <laughs> Donkey Konga, Donkey Konga 2, and then the very cool Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, mm-hmm. which was actually a platformer. Oh, really? I've never played. Yeah, I need to play it. Play gonna, that, yeah. I, I'll, I'll play these on a video. I'm going to try to figure out. I want to have um, footage, though, of me playing it, especially right, because yeah. you do bumps and claps and stuff like that. So Of course, of course yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll check that out. I did recently find out that Jungle Beat on the Wii, they re-released it on the Wii, does not support the bongos. So I had to go find the GameCube version. I did find it, but that's a little more rare to find. So I now officially have all three. And did you know some guy at the Midwest Gaming Classic was buying the bongos? I talked about this on Pixelated Pints yesterday. And he, it came with Donkey Konga 2, and he was getting it for 20 bucks, which is a, a fair price. Uh, it's not great. I got mine boxed with the original box for, for 10 But uh, mm-hmm. And then the girl found, or the guy who was with him found Donkey Konga 1. Because her bundle had Donkey Konga 2 in it. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's 10 bucks, but I'll give it to you for 7 since you're buying the bongos. So if you were already on board for 20 for Donkey Konga 2, why wouldn't you be on board for 27 to get Donkey Konga 1? The guy passed on it. Oh, and wow. right before he handed her the money, I interjected. And I said, hey, man, I've got those bongos. Like, there's only three games on the system that work with those bongos. That's one of them. If you're buying the bongos, you need to buy the other game. And he goes... Well, aren't Donkey Konga 1 and 2 the same type of game? And I said, yes, but the songs are different. That's like saying you buy Guitar Hero Guitar yeah. and Guitar Hero 3 and not buy 2. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, you need to look for Jungle Beat, but that's going to be harder to find. Uh, but uh, anyway, so so yeah, those are in there. And then it went to the Wii, and the Wii <laughs> ones were fun. Um, Donkey Kong Country Returns, I actually beat in co-op with my wife, and that's a very hard game. That's cool, yeah. Um, and then I beat it again by myself on the 3DS, uh, where it did convert over well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Tropical Freeze is neither retro nor have I played it yet. So that one's going to hold. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, all right. Well, you can find us at gaminghistory101.com where you can find all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but, uh, um, but, uh, including, our articles, Midwest Gaming Classic coverage, Jam Unboxing a SNES. You can find a uh, bunch, of, bunch of fun stuff. You'll find the, the Mortal Kombat uh, stories and stuff. As I'm sure you guys saw on the Twitter feed, and I'm sorry for this, I was updating a lot of the articles with the Read More things so they're easier to browse. And, of course, I didn't realize that since we have a new Twitter account, because it hadn't fired to that one before, it was firing all of those articles out on it. So that won't happen again. I've, I've learned my mistake there. And against my better judgment, I think I'm going to start a cheat section where I start throwing in a bunch of cheat codes and Game Genie codes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, So, Jam, you can help me with that if you want to start archiving this stuff. But, uh, okay. 
But anyway, um, so yeah, just watch for that. But yeah, GamingHistory101.com. And next week we're going to come back and do Jesse's uh, discussion. He was a patron, and uh, his reward is uh, a show of his choice. And he has chosen a show based off of the Nintendo 64 DD. So we are going to come back next week and talk about the Nintendo 64 More and 64 Love. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, in that meantime, uh, get to play in Rocket Night. We will be doing the Game Club two weeks from today actually yep. so it should give you plenty of time it's a difficult but doable platformer so uh and watch for those videos going live also don't forget i don't know about you jam but i will be doing my first um which was planned this way my first uh coverage on one of my games uh super empire strikes back i'm going to be doing a retro game challenge so mm-hmm. i'm going to attempt it three different times this week um and i might tweet out real quick before i do it uh, that I'm going to do it on Twitch. But if I don't ma- manage to do it on <laughs> Twitch, um, bless you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to record the footage and uh, see how good I do and put the best one up there. So mm-hmm. uh, so watch for those. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, I guess peace out and uh, monkey donkey. <laughs>